watch a new film and how the critics really loved it Including yourself, but that's a really do a good effect All your dreams have come true I heard you bought a house in Martin E Because you couldn't stand the smell of all the suitors of the creeps And that's a really do a good effect You're looking thin, I'm so happy for you It's Jason and Todd talking through uh, lousy films uh, in the in the month of October. Uh, <laughs> it's scary time, and, uh, and it's my it was it was my turn to scare Jason. With a movie. Uh, so after I watched this movie on HBO, I said to Jason, "We're doing the Many Saints." No, Jason went, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I said. Uh, it was very scary when you said it because uh, Corey had been asking me uh, to see the movie. And, uh, you know, there are things. I wouldn't watch parts of Squid Game with her because I found it too discouraging to my spirit. Uh, you know, that's just how it is. Oh, really? and, and there's some things uh, uh, of mine that she doesn't want to watch, like the musical uh, film version of the uh, James Hilton novel. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, which was made in 1969 with uh, Peter O'Toole, and the uh, I remember uh, uh, Goodbye, Mr. Do Chips. Do you remember the uh, uh, the recently deceased, uh, just in the last week or so, Leslie Bricuse, I think is how his name is pronounced, or Bricuse? I don't know. I don't know how hoity-toity you get when you're doing the lyrics for Doctor Doolittle. But that's essentially uh, who he was, and he he did uh, all the terrible, terrible fucking songs uh, in uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and he's competing with one of John Williams' worst scores in this movie. And bizarrely, in Goodbye, Mr. Chips, which I'm never going to bring on the show because it's like three hours long, and it's fucking a drag, frankly, to sit through, which is why Corey doesn't want to watch it. Uh, This movie, uh, so originally James Hilton wrote this uh, adorable, charming novel, Goodbye Mr. Chips, about an old uh, school teacher in a British uh, public school uh, and uh, his adventures. And it's a very sentimental, sappy story. And in the 30s, Robert Donat uh, played the part to perfection and then promptly died uh, because he had these terrible uh, emphysema-type problems. And uh, it's, a, it's a classic of uh, weepy, three-handkerchief, uh, shameless you know, uh, uh, commercial opportunism to grab your heart. Uh, very uh, Spielbergian. In its, uh, in, its, in its way. And then in 1969, uh, well, sorry, and then uh, a few years later, Terrence Radigan, a playwright, angry young playwright, wrote a response to this uh, piece of uh, fluff uh, called The Browning Version. And uh, to make his point very clear that he was responding to James Hilton. And uh, in the Browning version, the uh, sweet old headmaster, who's actually a dick and an asshole, uh, has his wife cheat on him with students and other faculty and everybody else, and she tortures him daily, and he tortures his students as a result. And at the end of this movie, he comes to the epiphany um, that he's a terrible person and also that he's a really bad teacher. 
And since he devoted his entire life to being a teacher, just like Mr. Chips in the in the happy version before, uh, the, in the Browning version, he decides, uh, fuck it, I, I can't be a teacher anymore because I'm terrible. And he goes and makes a speech at the end of the... It's, 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 it's a much more intellectually and emotionally honest version of the life of an old shitty teacher than Goodbye Mr. Chips, uh, the Browning version. And then if... And how long is the Browning version? <laughs> it's only a couple of hours. It's it's not nearly as long. Uh, the original Mr. Chips is only about ninety minutes. The one from the thirties, uh, I think, and and the the remake is only really long because uh, Leslie Bricuse had just had a big hit with uh, uh, Doctor Doolittle, I think, uh, and so uh, got a big budget, big MGM production. Uh, interestingly, when Terrence Radigan wrote this response, this angry young man's response to the charming old uh, James Hilton story uh, in the 50s, he uh, uh, you know, was very angry. And then later in 1969, he was hired to write the musical remake of Goodbye, Mr. Chips, the original story that had pissed him off so much. And he writes a brilliant book for this musical. It's it's pithy, it's sweet, the characters say exactly what they're supposed to say, and yet John Williams and Leslie Bricus uh, destroy every chance that this movie had. And Herbert Ross, who has occasionally directed very well, uh, directs this movie as if he intends to drive it directly into the audience and kill people pinned underneath it like a NASCAR accident, which is basically <laughs> how that movie goes. And no, no, you're not going to have to watch it on this show. Uh, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, but just as I wouldn't watch uh, The Many Saints of Newark, Corey refused. And so there was a schism in our household over who would watch The Many Saints of Newark and who would watch uh, the Peter O'Toole version of uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. And it turns out uh, I'm the loser because uh, you ganged up with Corey against me and forced me to watch The Many Saints of Newark. And so far, in, 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 uh, I have had to spottily watch pieces at a time of Goodbye, Mr. Chips alone. I'm so sorry. She cheated. She uh, essentially no, get, cheated I, and I, said, I, yeah, you can watch The Many Saints of Newark with me, but your fucking Goodbye, Mr. Chips excursion, fuck you. That's what my girlfriend said, in so many words. Now you know. Now you know how I feel every time I ask one of my family members to watch uh, an American Ninja sequel with me. <laughs> the ones with M Michael Dudikoff. The do they all have Michael Dudikoff in them, or did he? Uh, am I thinking of the no, wrong series? It, no. Well, the first two and the fourth one uh, have have Dudikoff. You're amazing. Uh, Seriously. And, and the third one and the fifth one. Uh, have uh, David Bradley. Wow, <clears throat> that's a that's kind of David kind Bradley. Of that you just pulled that out. David Bradley. Well, you know how I have this affinity for straight to video uh, action I do. movies. Um, and Bradley was, you know, stuntman turned on camera action guy who just did straight to video oh. stuff in the nineties uh -huh. mostly. That's why he's in a couple of these American Ninja things. But I have one of his movies. What the hell is it called? It's called Hard... It's Hard Something. It's like Hard Justice or something okay. like that. It's not Hard Target. It's Hard Justice or something. Uh, and it's him and this, and this guy, and they're breaking out of prison, but they got to do heroic stuff while they break out of sure. prison, you know? They got to uh, save, save a children's this, hospital, I'm sure, on the way, on the way out yeah, of they, prison. Yeah, they got yeah, to save kids. So there's this one part where they're in a warehouse because you know in those mo these movies they always wind up in a warehouse. At some it's point. cheap. They they wind up at the 
They wind up at the docks and a warehouse and a strip club. Those are the places you wind up. <laughs> Which surprises movies. me because it seems like the docks would be an expensive location. You know, you, you'd have to get all kinds of permits. Yeah. I mean, that's a serious uh, business yeah. type operation there, docks. In L.A., we take our docks this- very, very, so you can't get within fucking, you know, 10 miles unless you're driving a truck and not getting paid for it to sit in line because that's America. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. The socialism crept in early this time, kids. Uh, eight minutes and five seconds, and I'm already fucking tooting the horn for Bernie Sanders. I apologize. I also hate women and uh, trans people. That's all you need to know okay. about the world. So, uh, 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 okay, Dave. What else? No. What else is going on, uh, Todd? In, in that movie, they go to the docks. They go to the strip club, uh, and. Well, the th- I was just, is this one uh, video, uh, you know, uh, action sequence I really liked. And, and when you have these guys, uh, like back back in the 90s, you had this David Bradley. He's a stunt guy, so he did his own damn stunts. Always impressive. And, and, and he would... He, and he would know well enough to check the explosive devices and the God guns damn and stuff it, yeah, for, you know problems before he risked his life. But anyway, so the the there's like a line of cars, you know, and he's running from the bad guys, and he jumps onto the roof roofs of the cars, yeah. you know, and he's running across the roofs of the cars, and as he's going, the cars are exploding behind him, like jumping oh. up, and the and the explosives were perfectly done, so the cars, you know, it looked like weird. Like sideways yeah. dominoes somehow blowing I love that up, effect. And, and they went opposite, opposite directions. It's very, very cool looking uh, stunt. Worth the worth. That, the that car's going sideways time. thing. The first time I really noticed that was in uh, Die Hard Three. You know, at the very beginning, uh, uh, you know, cold open, and then there's all of a sudden there's a financial district blowing up, and all these BMWs are flying sideways into the buildings out of the street, and it's such yeah. a such an effective uh, uh, stunt. Yeah. Well, and in the and in this one, it's a it's like it's hard to explain. The cars aren't like in Die Hard, like you're saying. They got blown yeah, yeah. sideways out into the street. So what happened was like like what the like under the explosive must have been under the hood of like okay. the first one. So it like leaps up on its back oh, wheels and sort of flips over backwards. And then they're all doing this in opposite oh, directions. So some of them are flipping over trunk first, some uh, 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 hood first, and you know like going back and forth so it just looks fucking cool with this guy running in the <laughs> foreground and these cars flipping around and i don't know i don't know i'll tell I you why because that. you wanted to put me on a fucking youtube hole uh looking for david bradley car stunt hard justice which will turn out not to be the name of the movie it'll be called like hard prime cut or some shit hard uh hard hard Did, has anybody made a movie called hard drive because I've always thought that would be a great name for a stupid action movie like Sneakers or something where they just stare at screens and then they sneak someplace and plant a bug, some bullshit. You know what it should be, man? It's a, like an external hard drive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That has, that's your yeah. MacGuffin, yep. right? But it's a vanishing point movie. Mm, so it's a hard chase. drive to get the hard chase. drive yeah. okay. like from one point Love to the point Love B. it. That's what right. I I would well, at the end of it, do they sma- smash um, into some steamrollers? Because I thought that was a great end for Vanishing Point, but a lot of distributors felt that they were cheated of people coming to buy tickets because <laughs> <laughs> nobody really liked the fact that Barry Newman uh, blew up at the end. But I liked it. I thought it was well, pretty good. If you're going to ride around with a naked chick on a motorcycle, you better blow up at some point. I mean, how are you going to top that? <laughs> 
Yeah, you should. And they manage not, yeah. I thought not to would... terribly exploit the naked woman who's just riding around on a motorcycle in this movie for no better reason than to put a naked woman on the motorcycle. I thought they did it tastefully and rather politely to the actor. She didn't have to, you know, she, she didn't have to show a whole lot, but they they sure put her naked on a motorcycle. That's yeah, that's movies, yeah, that's and you know, true. nobody, no, no yeah. producer shot her through the camera either, which I, I thought was very impressive. The, yeah, the more that's, that's a more plus. movies I see these days that have producer actors in them, uh, where people aren't shot, and now suddenly that's a big deal to me. I'm like, oh look, there's guns going off, and uh, I didn't hear about anybody. Did you hear about anybody dying in this? No, nobody died. Nobody died in Wild Bunch, you know? How'd they manage that? It's like 400 people getting squibbed, you know? Uh, uh, there's like 800 guns on the set, uh, most of them fucking hot. Why, 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 why don't people die more often in these things? Even the chariot race apparently didn't actually kill anybody, you know, and, and, and Ben-Hur. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel why like does it uh, take, in a lot of cases, why does it take Alec Baldwin? safety protocols are followed. They're followed. Well, I mean, it, this has happened before. It's just been a long time. Gosh I mean, darn it! We lost Brandon Lee to this shit. Have you been on a Have you um, been on a set with a hot gun? To your knowledge, once, once. All the let's start. Let's start this. Speaking of fake guns, let's start Fuck. this movie, and then I'll. Yeah, let's I'll let's let's start the Rushmore High School stage adaptation of Mean Streets, please, by all <laughs> means. Many Saints of Newark. Everybody, uh, we're about to count down to the Many Saints of Newark. If you got it queued up on HBO, that would be great. Uh, uh, do you want to do the? Do you want to do the three? We do it together, right? Uh, no, right. you do it. Okay, I'll start with three. Two, one, and uh, I started the fucking Many Saints of fucking Newark for now the second time, man. I, I'm sorry. I know that a lot of the time when it's your turn, I, I open negatively, and I don't, want, I don't want to be so negative. I don't want things to be so ugly between us. I know that's the nature of the show, that's, and, that's and, okay. uh, and I should take it in, uh, like, you know, in the spirit in which it's delivered, like a good sport. I'm apparently not that. I'm sorry. Well, before uh, we get lost in, in this uh, spinoff of The Sopranos or whatever it is, pre- prequel? It's a movie, and it's a prequel to a TV show, right? Appar- apparently right? so. Uh, 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 one of those, uh, and, and apparently now this is going to be its own TV show if uh, they get their way, because it was a pretty big hit for HBO this past uh, couple of months. And I, I hear a lot of buzz about these people thinking that maybe they'll get a regular gig, you know? So, well, uh, you know, do you, do you, I do you like the art? There are a lot of actors here that I like, so I, w- I would like them to get absolutely. Work, uh, and on the other hand, you know, does it have to be this shit? Now, uh, uh, well, is it is it a perfect world? Is know. this the best of all possible pan- pangloss universes, Todd? I don't know either. I don't. I, I don't um, like the our town um, opening to this uh, to this movie. This sort of a no. Spoon River anthology. Uh, and yet, it turns into it's not that at all. It's just a story, you know. There's all these dead guys that you know, probably dead from the series or something. I assume we're looking at headstones of a bunch of dead mobsters. We can hear them talking a little bit. They're boring already. Well, that's the guy. They just drifted past the gravestone of the guy who's narrating. Yeah, who's not that much in it, right? I mean, I guess he is, uh, but he's he's not the guy from. Uh, and and Tony Soprano's not much in this. He, he has a couple of shots as a, a a fat kid doing reactions, you know. Oh, and, and, and yeah, he's not in it. Yeah. 
It's mostly this guy from uh, uh, um, the Art of Self Defense. Yeah, is that the uh, who I like? Is that the uh, uh, what do you call him? What's his name? Michael Michael the, the actor. Uh, I I don't know his name. The guy the guy you, the, the, the character that, that uh, Tony eventually chokes to death in in the sh- in the series apparently. Oh, you mean uh, Michael, Michael Imperioli? Isn't that him doing this voiceover? Yeah, that's him. I, w- I but when I was talking about art of defense, I'm talking about this guy, the, the lead of the Copy movie. that. Yeah, I, I I I've seen his name a million times and uh, never really. Uh, what's uh, art of self defense? That's it. That that's uh, your favorite thing of his. Uh, well, I I did like the movie and I liked him in it. Uh, it's a Jesse Eisenberg uh, uh, movie okay. about uh, 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 you know a, a wimp. Uh, and is this is this guy his bodyguard? Wimp. What's his name? He's got some weird this weird guy name. Is his, uh, uh, it's got fifteen syllables or something. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it's it, it, He's the se- he's the sensei of yeah. the you know right. karate dojo that that Eisenberg. It's a it's a black comedy sort of uh, you know ruminates on toxic masculinity and how we affect each other as men speaking of which yeah go um, ahead i'll interrupt you at any uh, opportunity today i've had no i know i was going to answer your previous question from before we We started uh live set yeah live gun on a set uh uh or a real gun i should say on a set uh yes once, when I was squibbed, I was actually squibbed. Um, but l- l- my experience was I didn't have to ask. I, w- I was I was ready to ask, uh, but because it was me who was getting shot. Yeah, so be very particularly g- yeah. careful. Uh, so yeah, he showed me the gun and and uh, you know how everything was working and how the squib worked and it was a lot of safety. Took a it took a lot. Um, and, and, and there was so much, you know, safety talk and discussion going through it that it, like the more they talked, the more nervous I got about having an explosive device strapped to my chest. A lot of people say it hurts. Completely Afterward, It does. It does hurt. Uh, you know, like a paintball Uh sort of deal. Uh Maybe. But it's, it's like that. That sensation is what helps if you're if you're not connected to a bunch sure. of wires like they yes. do now. Uh, but low budget stuff like me, where I have to jump yeah. backwards onto yeah. a mat, you know, sell the yeah. squib. But it's it's pretty easy to sell a squib because it's, it's blowing like, up, you know, getting yeah. punched. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, but all the other mo- movies and shows and whatever where I've handled weapons or been around people handling weapons, the weapons have been entirely funny. Okay. Uh, just uh, fake weapons, uh, not real guns. Which again, and and, and, and the industry been... certainly seems to be making this point right now. Uh, that's all you need, right? Uh, I see a lot of people saying that because of CG, you don't even need guns that uh, that that have moving parts really very much anymore. Uh, I was in a. I, I, I don't think you do. I was in a play uh, once where I had to fire a prop pistol uh, several times. It was a not a prop. It was a starter's pistol. And that's just what they had me use in the show. And I never fired it at anybody. Uh, uh, but I remember that we had one safety thing at the top of the production, you know, somewhere in rehearsals, uh, not at the top, where we brought in the, the starter's pistol. And it was loud, and everybody had to get used to it. And we, we did that a little bit. Uh, but it was a college production. And, uh, you know, I figure the 
pretty lax as far as the safety. So we talked about it once, and then Jason was responsible for making sure that the thing had blanks in it, and it misfired all the time. So Jason was always clicking it in frustration, you know, on stage, and I'm sure it wasn't always pointed in the right direction. Um, it's hard. There's a lot of, you know, uh, to use the metaphor again, there's a lot of moving parts in doing s stage combat of any variety. Sure. Sure, and that's sort of what is exciting about it. But you can't, you can't rush that stuff, uh, regardless of your budget. I mean, that you know, the interesting thing to me about the fact that you know, gunplay usually that I'm involved in is on really low budget, shoestring budget mm -hmm. stuff that mm -hmm. I'm doing. So, the reason why we're using toy guns and putting computerized muzzle flashes in is it's way cheaper than using real right. weapons. It's just cheaper. So that's why the low budge does it. So it's it's just crazy to me that this Rust Western uh, was low budge using real weapons and, and just yeah, yeah. nobody was paying No, attention. it seems like uh, altogether there's a great deal of uh, failures of uh, leadership and, uh, and fellowship on that uh, fucking set. Yeah, and I'm not going to point any f fingers at any one person. No, totally. I would I'd, say I'd... there's Im immediately involved a couple of individuals, but in the end, I, I, don't, I don't know who's responsible. That I guess that's up to the... No, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. Um, and and uh, it, uh, I hate to say this, uh, to the extent that these things are good copy, you know, uh, people give a shit. But for the most part, uh, I think it's it's it overlooked that a lot of people are surprised right now that it's not illegal or or you know super against uh, various uh, guild policies to have a a gun on set that could fire, you know? It's odd to me that that, that hasn't yeah. happened and that, uh, you know, a, a lot of the ones where they have moving parts and you can see the slide, you know, falling back and the brass ejected, you know, uh, they've been making these guns since I was a teenager uh, that didn't actually, couldn't actually fire anything and they were made out of zinc and they, you know, they weren't quite as heavy and they, they didn't have a barrel, uh, essentially. You know, it was a lug. And uh, the, the moving parts of it that were supposed to sell the, the toy, uh, the gag, uh, you know, they weren't, around, they weren't arranged around stuff coming out of the barrel at all. And uh, uh, the, that the industry has not moved in that direction in the last uh, 30 years, uh, I think surprises a great many people who thought that this kind of thing was sort of impossible now. And I think a lot of people in the industry yeah. who uh, who don't you know film these kind of scenes on a regular basis uh, are surprised to find that their sets are much more dangerous than they thought. Well, and I think potentially, you know, I yeah, I would like this to to be a deeply isolated incident, you know that that you know gets people thinking and talking about not have like you say not bothering to have real weapons on set uh, given how unnecessary it is with modern post-production technology um, and I hope it, I hope it's not like so often like stuff it seems like not just in the industry in life when you you get this one incident you're like oh no oh no I like like think of how commonplace you know mass shootings yeah. are yeah. now you know what I mean like I, I don't want these onset accidents to start bubbling up and instead of 
every 10 years we get a stuntman dying on Vampire in yeah. Brooklyn or John Landis, yeah. you know, getting uh, uh, off of uh, involuntary manslaughter for a helicopter. And then making spies like us. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it's funny it's funny uh and it's not but it is and and so so here's here's a devil's advocate thing because uh, jason's on the fucking show uh that nobody has been bringing up which is the aesthetic quality uh that you lose a little bit when you go from analog squibs and uh you know guns that have uh expulsion of gases from the barrel that's caught by a camera versus the post-production uh, uh, version of that is oftentimes shitty looking and you can totally tell, especially the fake squibs, you know, the, the, the cartoon blood effects that they put on people. Oh, yeah, These things cartoon. are extremely noticeable. And so there's an aesthetic difference between uh, slightly more dangerous equipment on set. Uh, and again, it wouldn't have to be anything. It, blanks firing on set, I think, is a terrible idea. Uh, blanks as we know them that shoot a wad of cardboard out the end because they have to have a wad. Uh, uh, like the thing that killed John Eric Hexum, fucking when I was in high right. school, you know, and 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 so that yeah, this yeah. stuff is still going on is weird. But there is an aesthetic difference between uh, to an extent. Uh, there, you you do lose a little bit at this point in in uh, at least low budget blood effect technology. Uh, you know that movie with the guy from Rome playing uh, Punisher, Punisher Warzone. Uh, this was a really beautifully directed, tightly scripted, well acted little thriller, and uh, it's 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 and it's got a lot of action that's really well choreographed and really really amazing stunts and uh, for its budget is amazing. Uh, and where they saved the money was all the blood effects take you right out of the movie and it looks like a fucking shitty cartoon, and it's such a bummer. And so so nobody's talking about that right now. Inter- everybody's using post production like it's a big savior. I, 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 I like it's going to save I, the industry. I think you're, I think you're making a good point. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, as far as aesthetics are con- concerned, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather. I mean, hell, like twenty years ago, I wrote uh, a one act play lamenting real explosions being replaced with computer generated yeah. imagery. Yeah, um, it was just the 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 one act was called "Let's Blow Some Shit Up." And it was just a frustrated uh, uh, movie technician, uh, yeah. you know, practical effects expert who was feeling aggravated. Um, that said, I mean, I think, I think a lot of this stuff, like explosions, like I'd rather see it. But you have to obviously have a super safe environment. Squibs, you have to be super safe. And the really, and the really um, good CG, as- uh, if I may interject, is uh, pretty good. Those blood effects, you know, when when they when they, when they have a big budget for that, it, it compensates right. tremendously. A big budget and time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that's the other thing. I mean, it's like you, you if you're on something like Rust, where your producers are like, "Let's go, 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 go." They're that way all through post production because yep. yep. they have this date yep. they have to get yep. it done. So like, go, 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 go. It's just like as long as you get it represented on screen, it doesn't matter how great it looks. Um, I would say this just about the gunshot element. You know, I don't know. I can't come up with a way around squibs or explosions in these situations that would make, you know, it's just you need more money and time and better technology if you're not doing it practically. But the guns, I think the muzzle flashes so often now anyway... Uh, even if they're using real guns, they're enhancing it in post. Yeah, and I and I think you, you're not necessarily capturing 
a, a cool explosion. Depending That's on right. Your That's exactly right. A lot of people, stuff. a lot of times, they want to shoot so, a, a cigarette, uh, you know, like the way Ridley Scott did in Blade Runner, right? Well, that's fucking hard. You know, that's four hours of lighting for yeah. that for that uh, take. You know, and and uh, it's very expensive to do it that way, certainly. Uh, uh, and I, for my aesthetic dollar, uh, those muzzle flashes look fucking great with current CG technology. They look uh, very convincing, and uh, even you know, if you want to go hyper real with it, it's great. The blood effects are lagging a little bit. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, liquid's hard. Disney fucking defeated water in animation in the 30s, and it changed animation. You know, they they, they discovered how to do that shit, and eventually, uh, somebody at Pixar will figure out, you know, on his off time, hey, I made a really good blood squib effect. Look at this, and then they'll be like, well, you're fired from Pixar. You go do that somewhere else. We don't we don't <laughs> shoot and bloody our characters here. So uh, many, many saints of Newark. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm once again cutting you off because I have a tangent. No, no. If you want to go off on the movie we're watching, that's fine. Uh, you just reminded me of a documentary I just watched at my son's behest of, uh, of uh, shit. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the, he does, you know, the Jason famous, Statham? Uh, Japanese... Ja- Japanese animator. Oh, who, yeah. The, who, the, uh, the Howl's Moving House and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, th- that guy. Um, there's a, a documentary about him. It's it's pretty interesting. But but uh, at one point, these guys come in with this like CG rendering, you know, because the whole movie's about him retiring from animation. Yeah. He always did hand drawn, and then he's he's becomes restless and wants to do something. So he decides, oh, I'm gonna make peace with this CGI. I'm gonna try to make a, a CGI short. Yeah. So he's meeting with all these CGI companies, and these these young guys come in. Obviously, you know he's right. a hero of theirs. He's a hero of every animator uh, in that country, probably in the world uh, as well. And they come in, and they're like, "So we have this awesome, you know, uh, uh, learning AI software that you know made this made this cool thing." And you know, clearly, it's like some kind of creature for a Silent Hill type uh-huh. video g- game <laughs> or something. <laughs> It's this broken, fucked up, weird looking zombie thing that's like crawling across the floor in these impossible, grotesque ways. And, and you know, they're watching it. They're all proud of it. Uh, and he's watching it. And, and, you know, cigarette dangling out of his mouth. And he's like, at the end of it, he's like, well, what you've done here reminds me of my friend uh, who uh, passed away recently. But then he goes into this description of how his friend uh, was physically challenged, you know, was wheelchair bound, didn't have full use of his limbs. You know, when they high fived, it was awkward and weird. That's how he described okay. it. Uh, and, 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 and this creature that you've created, he said, reminds me of him, but in the worst, <laughs> most grotesque awful way what you've done here is just disgusting uh and the and the and the faces uh, of this all these people of this company you know the higher-ups are just just like deer in headlight horrified that they've just been shot down then there's all these people in the background who the whole time when they yeah. started the short you could see them going he's not uh, gonna like this he's not uh, gonna like this and then there's one guy up front like right in Next to the head boss, I'm not sure what his position was in the company, but he just looks shut down. Like, yeah. his, he's gone glassy-eyed and is looking off in the distance, not at anybody uh. in the room. It's, it's one of the greatest things oh I've ever God. seen in a documentary ever. That's really... 
And I, and I was like the animation. I was like, that's pretty cool in a horrifying Silent Hill video game kind of way. <laughs> Why would you show uh, that this to guy made Miyazaki? Yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Well, because I guess you know, like Spirited Away has weird, creepy, like he's in into surreal, yes, mystery yes, world. but like they're but they're, they're, they're full of wonder and yeah. mystery, not like death and and, and what nobody says about his stuff, uh, which is why I don't really seek it out. Is uh, it's fairly preteen. This is very mild material. You know, he has yeah. he has uh, adult themes, but you know, in, in a very YA sort of milieu. And uh, it's it just, I don't find it uh, very challenging. And, and I don't think it's all that great. Uh, you know, he has a lot of emotion in his stories, but is the animation all that good? Really? I, I, I don't, I don't so, know. So, my son really likes these things. I, I was never, my, my wife was very taken with Spirited Away, as was my son. I was like, you know, cool. It was weird. I don't, you know, maybe I don't get it, but it's weird. It's cool. Uh, but no, I, his movies don't fill me with a massive amount of. Like he, I guess I liked Ponyo, which I is didn't probably see that his one. littlest person. It's the Little Mermaid. Okay, that's all it is. It's his his take on the Little Mermaid. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was cute. Um, you know, but a lot of those other ones, like Howl's Moving Castle or whatever it is, Alessandro Nivola. Uh, I, I, it just came to me. That's this guy's name, uh, right? This actor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's good in this. Uh, he doesn't capture me. He's never... I don't know what it is about some actors, you know, and I immediately go, oh, gosh, that's a movie star or whatever. And I, I, I don't usually get that vibe from him. And I don't know what that means, you know? I don't know if I just... He doesn't look enough like he's in my family or some fucking, you know, uh, uh, <sighs> racial uh, memory yeah. type shit. He just doesn't appeal to me very much. He's completely believable. He's completely credible every time I see him. Yeah, since we talked about uh, Devon Sawa so much after, because I didn't, I didn't know who the hell he was, and when we watched that home invasion uh, movie where uh, has that amazing performance With, by John, uh, John Travolta, Travolta, yeah, and Devon Sawa plays this, directed by uh, Fred Durst. What a picture, man! That's still, I, I think of that movie more <laughs> often than I think of most movies because. Uh, and I was talking about this this morning that that because I've been thinking about him because we just watched the final destination bundle on HBO and uh, we we got oh right they have yeah we got through that in a couple of days and I hadn't seen him in a while and of course Devin saw is really only in the first one but uh, I was thinking about what you said about how he was this gifted actor who for one reason or another you know got kind of sidelined for a while uh, from the bigger projects. And uh, but everybody thought he had this great potential, and watching him in that movie, uh, it it just struck me how hard it is to do so many of the things that we ask actors to do, especially kids that are eighteen or nineteen. You know, and and you, you're asking them have this tremendous amount of uh, self motivated imagination in these moments that are on sets, like you say, hurry up, hurry up, okay, we got it, uh, let's go, let's go, let's go, you're seeing the plane crash, go, you know, and uh, that's hard, that's one of the first things that somebody asked me to do at NYU, was uh, being the student film, and I had to watch a missile coming toward me, and it was this fucking close-up of my face, right, and I'm like 20, I'm like, okay, how do I contemplate this in the five minutes that I have to do, you know, before the shot, and in the shot, and boy, I was fucking terrible, 
in this thing. I, I, I couldn't stay in the screening room to look at it. You know, it's just very, very hard to do these things. Now, you know, I'm also not uh, Devon Sawa's quality of actor. I mean, that's just very simple. But his youth and vulnerability in this part and, and the intelligence that he brings to it is, and it's not a terrible movie, right? You know, the first one is, is, is fairly good. I thought the fifth one was excellent. I thought that was, that was my favorite of the bunch. I thought it was really well uh, plotted. It, it just wasn't any slow spots, and everybody was interesting. It was smart, and it actually had genuinely surprising twists for me. But these kid, these kid uh, actors who have to do so much fucking hard work, uh, like there's the, 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 the guy that's been playing the Punisher on TV uh, with the broken nose. Do you know his name? John Bernthal, uh, he's been, you know, he got hot about 10 years ago, and he's been in everything, and he's, he's, he's always good. But this is a guy with, you know, he got good. He had time to get good. This is an adult, you know? And, and I, yeah. it just, it just yeah. these kids on sets, you know, especially teenagers. Children, it's kind of a different thing. If you're a little child, you know, uh, you might have, I, I feel like, if you give a good performance as an 8-year-old, that's not so much something to brag about because you're closer <laughs> you know, you're, you're closer to the source of all that wonder and joy and inspiration of just being a child. Uh, and that stuff translates very well to camera. But, uh, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, actors get to be uh, in early middle age before they're any fucking good at all. And I just find it amazing no. when you find a cast of young people who aren't embarrassing. And there isn't a full cast of non-embarrassing young people in any of the Final Destination movies. And the actors who are really good... Uh, from the start, boy, that's impressive to me. And I guess just especially so when it's kids. Because, you know, the stuff that you do uh, as, as an adult, having to throw yourself into character in the split-second timing of a chaotic uh, film set, that's just very, uh, very hard work, very hard, dedicated, sort of focused work. And I just want to say that before I talk shit on actors for the next, like, hour and a half. And, and talk about how fucking stupid they are and these choices they make are all dull and boring and idiotic. Uh, uh, speaking of which, uh, did you see uh, what's also on the HBO these days? And that's where I get most of my entertainment, uh, except for Canopy. I want to in, in, encourage everybody with a Roku stick or any kind of stick, try to get fucking Canopy. Uh, K-A-N-O-P-Y. Do you know about this, Todd? Is that a free? It's, is it's that a free, free thing, and it's through your library card. And so you get uh, nine, I think, uh, movies you can stream or things, you know, that you want to stream a month. And they've got a vast selection of basically what's available to, to, to check out from your local library system. And it's, uh, it's yeah, it's really? a streaming service. And so it's, it's really interesting. And there's a lot of cool old shit, the kind of stuff I like. Super uh, numerous documentaries and, and sort of arts. You know, it's a library-type service, so it, it focuses more on... Uh, 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 liberal type things. You know, a lot of documentaries about the black experience. A lot of documentaries about trans people and their uh, uh, transformate uh, transform transformative culture is kind of the theme. Uh, I think of this of this site, and there's so much good stuff on it. But at any rate, it wasn't there. It was HBO uh, that I was watching the other day. Uh, uh, Promising young woman, which I guess won some Oscars uh, last time. Yes, very popular yeah, thriller, yeah. Uh, revenge picture. Yeah, did, you didn't did like it. Did you see it? Yeah. Well, did yeah. you like it? All right, you asked me first. Uh, I did. I did. I did. I did. 
But I know lots of people who don't. What, and, what don't uh, they like about it? And uh, un- unlike something like Dune, I can understand uh, uh, your criticisms of promising young women. I don't know. Uh, uh, one friend of mine found the actually the the final moments, the uh, the, the, the final sort of the climactic mind fuck revelation scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, found it a little bit uh, unbelievable, I guess, phys- physically. Here's my take as a as a former professional film critic. Uh, uh, I so I know what I'm talking about, Todd. So <laughs> right, of course, of course, I yield. I yield my remaining time. <laughs> there's there's a uh, uh, there, there's a strong sense in in this movie, which is directed by its writer. Uh, and I think the script is perfect. I think it's an ideal script, which has clearly been edited uh, in production. Because you see at the beginning that she she goes out on these dates with creeps, and then uh, we don't know what happens to her and the creeps after she stops pretending to be drunk and, and becomes this uh, powerful woman figure. Uh, we see it intimidate McLovin, right, uh, from, uh, from that uh, wonderful comedy. Uh, and, and he gets comically intimidated. And there are moments in this movie where you can see the direction catch the flow of the script and do it correctly. And clearly in the... Ver- and then she goes home and she, she's she got hundreds of hash marks in a little notebook. Uh, some of them in blue, some of them in red. And the camera makes love to the mm-hmm. fact that some of them are in blue and some of them are in red. And so clearly she's killing some of these guys that she goes home with. And that is not in the movie at all. And I think uh, without doing any research on this, I'm going to call that, that that was that was a thing that they decided not to keep in the, in the final product. Uh, what we see her do is humiliate one guy who's not physically threatening at all, and then another guy in public when she's sort of forced to it, and he kind of has no recourse. But in a lot of these cases, these women in, 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 in the world of the, of the movie would be beaten and, 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 and you know, punished for having humiliated these guys. So the movie sidesteps that, which is a terrible, terrible error that I think somebody made so that it wouldn't uh, offend too many viewers and it would still win some Oscars. It makes the, the main character not so, not so queasy, which is exactly opposite to the point of the movie. She's been destroyed. Uh, and, and it didn't even happen to her, but it still happened to her. You know, this thing that happened to her friend and made her so vengeful against men. And the movie totally agrees with her, as it should, but it's not directed as a farce, and it's written as a farce. And that's why the end doesn't land right, because it's out of character for the rest of the movie. And the rest of the movie, she made this choice, uh, the director, I think it's a woman, and, uh, uh, you know, extraordinarily competent. And the script is fucking, I think, just, just uh, you could bounce a dime off it. I think it's perfect. Uh, it all makes sense to me emotionally and, and uh, dramatically, intellectually. But when the uh, uh, that last uh, you know surprise set of surprises comes at the end, these revelations about the character, uh, they strike you as a little odd. No, they strike you as a little little outside the the realm of what the movie was setting up because it pulled its punches from the beginning, and she's not a murderer. And what she's getting at this this end is some sort of redemption. You know, it's some sort of uh, penance that she's paying for uh, for having you know done these terrible things and become the very thing that she hated. Now, that's all good. And if the movie had been directed like a farce, I think that would play better. And especially if the darker part had gone. So she, the the director, did what 
uh, Sam Mendes did with on you know when he stopped production on uh, American Beauty and said I've been directing this like a farce and I need to take it back to Oscar territory because that's actually where Alan Ball's script is. His script isn't up in the clouds where I was putting it and oh fuck. And so he redid that and made a very I think served that script exactly well. It's an Alan Ball script so it doesn't end right and it's got all these problems, but it's directed to the strengths of the script. And I think uh, uh, there was some sort of decision to pull back on the kind of uh, high wire elements uh, which make that script so fucking exciting, I think. And so I think that's the only problems with this script, uh, with this movie, rather. Yeah, and that sounds like that my friends and acquaintances have had problems. Like You're kind of nailing, I guess, it was the tonal shift. Maybe at the end. That yeah, and it didn't have to be there because the script the script has no tonal shift. The script is, is lucid and bubbly all the time. And she directs some of the scenes into serious territory, which it just doesn't make sense. She undercuts a lot of her comedy for some reason, and I don't think it works. Uh, but I, I, I love that story. I love uh, the character being so fucked up by what she's doing. It's kind of a trope by now. We get that in superhero movies, you know. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. But... What she does in the script, uh, I believe in the version of the script where she actually is killing some of these bad guys that she, that she goes out with, uh, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense and it's all, it's all wonderful. But I, I, I bet a little research will show that they uh, just didn't want to be so sharp and, sharp and cruel in their presentation of this yeah, world. Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. What do I know? I, I like I like women uh, murdering people. It's a fun. Yeah, thing yeah, to watch. and and, so and I, don't, I don't know why you'd pull back on that. Uh, uh, now there was some controversy as when this movie uh, came out. Uh, the uh, uh, main actor complained that a review had suggested, uh, and she used this quote, and this quote was repeated in the media uh, uh, ad nausea. Uh, because I think specifically uh, they wanted the Oscar buzz for this movie, and so she she sort of invented a kerfuffle in which this uh, critic had said that she wasn't hot enough to play the part, uh, and in his review it, it's extremely clear that that's not what he's saying at all. The, the he praises her performance uh, quite a bit as he should. She's very good in it. She's always very good, but she is a low key sort of actor. She's very small. In her presentation, and Margot Robbie, who had developed this production and and uh, uh, you know had, had thought about being in it, I think somebody made a good choice to not put Margot Robbie in it because she's she. It, I don't think it plays to what we have seen as her strengths, or at least her image that she's been cultivating, which is very bright performances, very large, and uh, I, I think the director wanted to go smaller with the size of the uh, performances and the size of the style in this. And, and I suspect that's, uh, uh, that's when Margot Robbie was no longer right for the part. And she, they, they put this, uh, this English girl who's, who's excellent. And especially because she's playing a fucking sad sack, miserable person who wants to die. And she always looks like that. Uh, she looks like that in Far From the Madden Crowd. She looks like that in Drive in extraordinarily different circumstances. And I thought she stretched a little bit in this one to at least appear charming uh, some of the time. And I, I love that. But yeah, she, it should have yeah. been a farce. Damn it. And yeah, she's, and she's oh, well. crazy. That whole, that whole thing was, uh, was very unfair to that poor little critic who uh, 
you know, ventured to say that maybe she was miscast in the part. Uh, maybe somebody else would have been better. And, and that's all he said. Uh, uh, that's all he said. And then she decided that meant that uh, he was attacking her sexuality and, and objectifying her, which is creepy. And it's a similar thing to what we were just talking about, about the media's attempt to make Dave Chappelle into this uh, uh, monster figurehead of, uh, of, of unwokeness. In a sense, every time he comes out with a new Netflix special, he gets uh, bombarded by uh, the trans lobby, which suggests that he's anti-trans. And a point that he makes in his his new special is that, uh, you know, you can't count on one finger the number of genuinely, uh, you know, anti-anybody sentiments that Dave Chappelle sort of reflects from the community. He's a, he's a very thoughtful guy, and, and to the extent that people are offended by him, I think largely they're, extended, they're offended by uh, rhetoric about him, which is inherently uh, basically false. That they, they've invented a guy who's a, who, who attacks well, these, these cultures when, when in fact, I, I, it's just not true. I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into a giant Dave Chappelle uh, conversation just because we're not, you and I are not going to see eye to eye on okay. this. I watched The Closer. Uh, my problem with the closer has been my problem with Dave Chappelle's stand-up for the last number of specials. There are very few jokes, uh, and in, in this one, in this one, jokes. not nearly enough jokes. And in this one, he says, "Jason, in the, and not that? nearly enough jokes what? in this one. It's not not funny enough. There, there, are, there are almost no jokes, and that and that's what I don't understand when people defend this particular hour and fifteen minute special uh, as being done by a comic genius. I'm like, well, quote me one joke." Uh, what was your favorite joke? Space juice. Uh, and, uh, space I juice. I don't. Space, space juice was, was pretty fucking yeah. funny. Uh, but yeah, but, yeah, but, but it was a funny. It was a funny reference to <laughs> an old Mel Brooks joke, I guess. But I didn't think that joke was funny either. <clears throat> but here's my thing. Here's my main thing is in this particular special, he does say, and I think it's supposed to be a joke or it's supposed to be a laugh line or just be like a, a shock jock thing that gets you go <laughs> or something. Uh, but once you say, for me, once you say you're on Team Turf, uh, that is anti-transgender, uh, uh, absolutely. So, so the um, language. The- so I'm, I'm just, I'm on the side of, of, of the transgender people in this particular instance, as far as Chappelle is concerned. Uh, Very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 and it's fascinating uh, that our coming. From not you know I I don't want to make this into a thing uh, uh, either but what I find interesting about it is that having the same information because I you know you actually watched the show and a lot of a lot of the people that I've seen uh, uh, telling people not to watch the show are proudly announcing that they're not going to and that they have never watched a Dave Chappelle show ever and don't really know who he is except through what they're told. And I, you know, it, this reminds me of Christians a lot. This reminds me of a lot of the uh, religious sort of cultures, uh, uh, people who will defend Disney in any context just because it made them happy once when they were a kid. These, uh, uh, so, so that's what I'm afraid of, and that's the thing that he keeps referencing as uh, his perspective on the thing. Uh, for the last several of his shows, uh, since he came back from uh, South Africa, I find him... Uh, uh, what you're calling no jokes, I interpret as uh, a sort of uh, a meditative, older, vastly more profound and interesting person than the uh, kind of frenetic comic that that uh, that he was before he uh, sort of checked out for a while. 
and uh, got out of the scene. And so, yeah, it's weird. Uh, uh, I, did you like the Did you like the sketch? I never though? saw it. Never saw it. it. I, I have I have oh, seen little pieces it. of it since his return. I started watching these Netflix shows, and those first couple, I thought uh, they just punched me in the heart. I, I and I saw them at the same time as the. Uh, 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 Chris Rock uh, did one on, on Netflix around us. Anyway, I watched them around the same time, which was sometime after uh, they had come out. Uh, I think I was watching the Chappelle ones a couple of years late. And uh, uh, these two guys with this, uh, you know, Chris Rock came out and talked about his divorce and talked about his mistakes and talked about being a fucking idiot. And uh, not a lot of joke. Well, no, it's, Chris Rock, a lot of jokes, but also a great deal of more Carlin-like uh, uh, and, and Cosby-like uh, sitting and reflecting, talking philosophy, talking shop, talking, holy shit, isn't it kind of funny that I figured this out? And that element of the Chappelle uh, business since he came back, I find uh, very winning and very charming. And so auto- automatically, right, uh, emotionally, I'm suspicious of anybody who wouldn't like this, right, because it speaks so earnestly to me and seems so earnest and, 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 and seems so non-attacky and it seems so reasonable in the things that he's saying. Uh, and uh, uh, like to my mind, uh, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, and I apologize for this, but uh, uh, as far as our conflict on the thing, worrying about the word turf, or, or you know where uh, uh, you know this this word that is clearly very offensive and very much a, 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 a lightning rod for for the uh, for the movement, um, which is a, a very good movement, and you know all of us should be free, and trans people are absolutely punished more for for their lives than most of us, you know, and it's wrong. And it should not be the case. And I think people who tell uh, trans jokes that are uh, uh, offensive to trans people um, should think about that. And it's very, very clear, very clear from my reading, again, that uh, uh, Dave Chappelle thinks about it a great deal. Uh, And he told a really nice story, I thought, that uh, hasn't gone over very well with the trans community, but 10 million people have watched this show and like it, Uh, uh, which is, again not much in its defense but at any rate the the worry about the language and the worry about the classification of of where he stands based on a word or two which is exactly i think what uh, offends people about him is is intractability on certain points uh uh, uh his 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 suggestion that the the language isn't that important and what he's saying and what he's doing is more important I feel like there's a conflict there, and you don't. And we're both looking at the same material, and we're both seeing it in the same time. Uh, we're both experiencing it in the same political environment. And we're both having completely different experiences with it, and it's alarming to both of our sense of place, time, unity that somebody else that we like feels so strongly in the other direction. That part. And working through that <laughs> is the most interesting part of life to me these days. Because as I get older, these sorts of conflicts become very, very clearly part of a youth 
a sort of youthful uh, uh, fecklessness that I uh, cultivated for a long time that I think is very natural in, in Americans and I think very much in American males uh, to be cavalier about where I got my ideas and, and, and sort of uh, uh, laissez-faire about how I came to collect my prejudices, you know? And I think that uh, mm-hmm. the more I think about this, the less confusing other people's mindsets become to me. I'm able to understand and appreciate a little bit more because uh, essentially I'm forced to do so by the environment. And I think this is a wonderful, a wonderful thing. And uh, so t- uh, let me ask you one more thing about Dave Chappelle because uh, I don't want to belabor the point. And, and uh, while I thought he was an absolute comic genius uh, after, the f- after those first couple of comeback specials, yeah, the rest of them are kind of chatty. And, and don't necessarily carry the, what I found to be the moral gravity of, of, of those first couple in 2017. Um, r- regardless, uh, 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 yeah, w- what I'm interested in is our ability to appreciate <sighs> these differences. And with, without, without all my other prejudices playing into them because they're habitual. You know, and I have to think about these things logistically. I have to like intellectually sort of make lists and check my lists twice, and uh, because it's not natural to me uh, to overcome conflict. I tend to write people off. I tend to I tend to be like (laughs) like Robert Aldrich, right? And all I knew of his direction was uh, uh, the Dirty Dozen. And some cheap uh, bonanza-looking productions of uh, Burt Lancaster and uh, 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 westerns, you know, with with sets that creaked with uh, the other movies that had sat on them and farted, you know. Uh, And then I found out he made all these weird subversive sex movies. Uh, At the same time that he was making all this shit, he was also doing these interesting little uh, uh, indie projects, uh, essentially. And... uh, uh, it, it, it's still very, very hard for me to reconcile this artist with these two extremes of output, uh, one of which I find horrifying and indicative of the very worst traits of his profession. And, uh, and yet uh, he does these other things, which are among my favorite things, uh, like Legend of Lila Claire. Well, so I, was reading about, uh, I was reading about that guy. Uh, I, uh, I can never remember how to say his last name. Rene Abbe- yeah. It was in all the Altman uh, movies, yeah. Yeah, and he was yes. on Benson. Um, and in Police Academy 5, uh, Assignment Miami Beach. Uh, he's amazing in, in, in this Police Academy sequel, by the way. Okay. If, if, uh, if you appreciate uh, over-the-top, you know, physical comedy stuff. The, the, he reminds, uh, he reminds me of a vaudevillian, the kind of guy that could probably pull a fucking soft shoe number out of his hat, you know, probably could tap his way through a number. Uh, uh, you know, this, this is a yeah, serious old time performer. He's really serious. And yeah. And the whole reason he was in, in Benson and police Academy and all that shit that we know him for, cause we're yeah. TV movie junkies. Uh, well, you, you like the theater as well. But, I mean, he was doing it to do Shakespeare. Yes, yes. Like, he was doing that shit so he could do Shakespeare in regional theater, you know, for for free. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Which is uh, why I'm surprised 
uh, it's taking a while for people to get back to me because uh, I want to record some of my scripts on uh, uh, on audio and, and, and do a radio uh, drama sort of podcast. And getting the scripts together has been difficult because I'm writing them. And it's very fucking hard to write things. Uh, but when I wrote something good and I showed it to some people who I wanted to act in it because uh, I thought they were right for it, uh, it's not always immediately a yes. And that's what I can't figure out because if you're working and you're good enough to be recognized as a working actor uh, and you're good enough to be good in a fucking Home Depot commercial, for instance, right? If you're good enough, I mean, it was just hard. Uh, I, I find that an apex thing. If you can really devote yourself to a thing which is inherently beneath your quality, right? It, it, and, and that's how I look at it and that's shitty. That's why I can't do that kind of work, right? But for people to invest uh, in in slumming so that they continue their they can continue their artistic output, uh, it seems to me I'm on the right side of that. And so uh, uh, I'm really going to keep talking to you into doing this project you don't want to do uh, for no money because uh, you're essentially Rene Abergenois uh, to me. You know, you're you're you're, you're an artist yeah. whose whose uh, livelihood comes from selling toilet paper, and that is. Not only noble in itself, it's also comical, right? Because I know, I've seen enough of your work, uh, your writing, your, your, your uh, improvisational skills, your crowd work, your uh, uh, acting ability is very broad compared to what you usually get to do. And I think this is very normal for people who work a lot. And so, uh, sure. so yeah, uh, the, the opportunity to do something else is, is the only thing that can morally justify a lot of our behavior. You know, the only reason anybody should go to work at a factory is so they can raise their fucking kids, you know, do something that's actually valuable. Uh, uh, and I do a lot of things that are, that are valuable to nobody but me, uh, just so I don't run wild in the streets with a knife. You know, we've all got our responsibilities. Sure. Uh, but yeah, your uh, sensitivity on this subject and my sensitivity on this subject reminds me to check in more with the fact that. Uh, I like you, right? And this is the only way this kind of thing happens because if I just look at lines of protesters, um, and uh, honestly, there aren't very many uh, for uh, for this Dave Chappelle thing. Not a, not a lot of people showed up in person for the Netflix thing, and and uh, some of the journalists who uh, have have thought that uh, Chappelle was abused in this uh, uh, in his relationship with the trans community over the last five or ten years. Uh, took that as fodder to say, well, if you, uh, you know, uh, the, the media, uh, one article I really liked suggested that the media had failed to conspire successfully to make uh, the trans argument against Dave Chappelle stick uh, in, in, in the public consciousness. And uh, reading it, I felt a little queasy about that conclusion because of the essential, you're fucking stupid nature of the reporting. And, you know, much of the most interesting reporting now is extremely subjective in that way. Because more of us are making decisions uh, of the adult variety where we we decide that there are uh, stop signs, that there are ends to our road, that there are blacks and whites to our, you know, absolute elements to our thinking. And... uh, I worry about this when I do this, you know? It makes me nervous that I'm ready to go all in for some fucking comedian who half the time kind of 
kind of could pick it up you know, a little bit. He's not even, not even funny enough to justify some of these things, but I find the philosophy, at least in this latest thing, uh, interesting and compelling enough, uh, and it's occasionally funny enough, because when he does tell a joke, I, they usually work for me. Bah, 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 all the reasons, right? All the reasons. And this is my, this is my floodplain of reasons, and now it's up you know, to two feet in people's houses of water, of my, all my reasons why I think this is okay. And that has to weigh against my friendship with you, because I think you're crazy on this matter. And that's, mm-hmm. that's because I'm a sort of regressive uh, personality, and I, 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 I'm a late bloomer, a late learner for a lot of the normal human things, uh, I find myself an apt uh, sort of uh, symbol of the American consciousness because most of us would rather have a fight than appreciate the other person's position, even a tiny little bit, because of the identity issues involved. And this I find really fascinating, because identity is at the center of this whole controversy over which you and I disagree, clearly, vehemently. It's funny. It's kind of funny. I don't don't want my identity uh, somehow harmed by acknowledging some of yours. I feel like this is part mm-hmm. part of that conflict. And it's it's weird that America has always been such a composite. Uh, and I guess, you know, in the long run, unlike this, look at this. These kids are smoking e-cigarettes, right? Because you can't have nine-year-olds smoking a cigarette in a movie anymore. Well, it looks like a fucking e-cigarette. Right. It looks shitty. You know, it's totally uh, uh, incredible. It, it takes you out of the world immediately. That's not one that works. I mean, they can do smoke just no. fine. CG smoke is great. You know, it looks perfectly fine. Uh, uh, some Again, that's a budgetary yeah. thing. Yeah, I, okay. I would say that's okay. a budgetary thing. Well, yeah, the ones. It's like the bre- it's like the cold breath. It's like yeah, yeah they can do that well. Not always. Yeah, you're right. Most of the time, you're like, nah, no. The smoke good. on the tires when Robert De Niro peels out backwards in that Mercedes 600 in Ronin, that smoke on mm-hmm. the tires did not look good. I'll admit that from here. <laughs> uh, it does not always work. You're right. So, yeah, my, my incentive to even solve uh, the smallest difference with a friend of mine about some fucking, you know, the, uh, about the larger moral and social implications of a piece of art, um, my ability to overcome that is my only entree as a human being to the, the fray of understanding, as opposed to just saying, fuck those people, I write them off. On this sec, on this, uh, uh, on on this topic, this this world is is you know this milieu is 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 uh, resistible. I can't listen to that because they're they're unreasonable about this, whoever they are. Uh, and you know, the more we do that, the more uh, feisty and uh, conflicty the world is. And so uh, my responsibility is to understand your aversion to, for instance, uh, the, the, uh, his, his uh, uh, casual use of the word turf, you know, in this... In this uh, uh, well, it, it, like, it wasn't... Jason, what he specifically said was, I am team yes. turf. So that, that's taking sides of an issue. Um, and if... if 
if you agree with J.K. Rowling and, and, and Ricky Gervais, then uh, 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 transgender uh, uh, people in the bathroom is the biggest uh, uh, problem facing humanity today. Um, I, I think it's a bunch of nonsense bullshit. I don't know why... Uh, uh, What's 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 and I don't also I don't understand I don't remember well how it's a comic premise that's that's the thing because we're in the end what we're arguing about is a comedian and his act so I don't understand what the jokes were in that whole uh, diatribe because that's that's what it felt like to me is a diatribe and not comedy Uh, Um, and that's all I was looking for when I turned it on was to have a laugh and then and I wasn't thinking that much about controversy or whatever when I turned it on. There's a new... Uh, I try most new uh, specials when they come out. Um, most of them I shut off uh, within 15 minutes. Um, uh, and and perhaps the only reason I didn't shut this one off was because of its uh, controversy and I wanted to hear it all. I wanted to know what the big deal was. Um, and I, I, my biggest problem with the special is simple. I, I just don't think it's funny. Um, you, you go... You go back and you look at like the cringeworthy Eddie Murphy jokes from yeah. from Delirious or Raw from the eighties. Uh, jokes, by the way, that that Eddie Murphy it, it, now it cringes when he hears them. Uh, they're, they're not a source of pride. Well, they're not funny anymore. Um, but the but, well, they're not uh, funny. The, but, well, hold on, but hold the, on. Yeah. But what? The, but there were there were jokes in the homophobia. You 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 look at uh, he had the honeymooners. Uh, uh, you know fucking yeah. each other he had uh, uh mr t and uh, other people fucking each other so within the uh uh homosexual panic uh, which was the foundation of it i guess but were all these uh, impressions and and that's that's what i wasn't getting you know in it, there there wasn't funny stuff in between the the diatribe ish stuff well yeah uh, it, it for it, me to latch onto and find comedy in so i and then and then when a, a, a marginalized community shouts out about it and then all these people come to his defense, I'm, I, the thing that's weird about it is, one, I don't think he's getting canceled for it. I don't think he's in any danger of getting Clearly not. Canceled Clearly not. I, yeah. just, I just don't – what I don't get is why it's worth having this much conversation about something that I just don't see the comic merit in, when that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it purports well, to be. Well, uh, I, I think uh, – I don't come – with that premise, uh, I I like uh, especially lately, especially as an older person, uh, I really appreciate the the more thoughtful, less jokey uh, entertainments, and I, I I don't think that after his last few specials, uh, it I don't I, it, it wouldn't be fair for me uh, in my mind to expect that this was going to be a, a jokeathon of the old school, you know, pre. 2010 Chappelle uh, or I guess how, how is this different though Jason for you because I remember a long time ago I'm, I don't know if I'm getting her name right Hannah Gatsby yes or some something like that I, I recall you're saying that you didn't care for her stand-up because for the very reason I'm saying I don't I don't care about Chappelle so I just I, I think is, is that uh, am I remembering that very right? much so and two can you explain the the nuance there. Yes, I don't like what she's saying. Um, you don't like the premise of her? Uh, uh, well, first of all, I think uh, uh, I would 
certainly embraced the criticism that you made of the Chappelle thing and that saying that Hannah Gadsby did not have jokes. And when she has jokes, uh, and, and her, her philosophical diatribe is, uh, I think, not very compelling. It's not very thought out. It's not very uh, well strung together. It has a noble uh, heart, I think. I think it w- wants to do the right thing. Uh, it's disingenuous in, 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 in the fact, the big one that I saw is the only one that I've seen. I've seen her, a couple of her, uh, a couple of episodes of her thing that she goes to museums and she very wisely talks to, lets the experts talk and she sort of pops in and makes a joke now and then, which is wholly unfunny. This is an essentially, to my mind, unfunny person. So that plays a lot into the fact that I didn't like watching her for an hour. But, uh, well, okay, I mean, it's just I and I, I don't I so, I agree with you as far as the hour that I saw that everybody loved. I didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't get the jokes. I didn't see the jokes. Right. So, but that I'm getting the same thing with Chappelle for me yes, from my yes. perspective. So I'm just curious. So, but so it comes down to you like Chappelle. You like to listen to him talk the same way you you would a, a radio host or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's why you like him. It's not necessarily this particular uh, hour. No, this hour I thought was was the weakest thing I've I've seen of his. Uh, even his sketch shows, you know, the the, the snippets that I've seen of them are uh, they're raucous and their 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 premises are, are usually pretty funny to me. And his uh, his writing is pretty good. Uh, this is uh, this thing that I liked about him in 2017 and since, and I think there's still a lot of this in in this particular hour. Uh, uh, yes, I like the personality. I like the the slow, thoughtful, middle aged manness of it. I find uh, uh, nakedly, embarrassingly compelling. That's certainly part of it. Uh, what's interesting is uh, I don't find Hannah Gadsby an off putting uh, uh, presence, you know, uh, except in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, everything that she's saying is trying too hard. She's not a skilled comic. Uh, when she talks, she's nervous and she's uh, her delivery is weird and she seems camera shy every time I've ever seen her. And so, uh, is mm-hmm. she a discomforting presence as a host? Absolutely. I find her. I find the whole experience uncomfortable. Now, when she knows what she's going to say and she knows where the lines are that people are going to agree with, just like Chappelle, she becomes much much better. She becomes much more relaxed mm-hmm. and comfortable. My criticism of her as a performer uh, and a writer. Uh, is, 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 is a little bit different because I think her writing is in, incoherent. Her, she, strings, she strings together uh, uh, lists of uh, buzzwords. And what I see uh, uh, Chappelle doing is sort of stringing together lists of buzzwords, buzzwords and toying with them. So I, I, I see it as a, as a much higher form of, of reverie, of, of public reverie. Than, than, than I think of hers. I think hers is, is very amateurish on its, uh, basically. And what she has to say, I think, is, is very little. It sounds like she's repeating phrases that, that I've seen in, in most of the literature uh, that's put out by uh, people who want more respect than they're getting. And it's an excellent point. I think, uh, you know, uh, one of my big problems is I don't get enough respect. I feel this painfully. I take medication for it. Um, I'm not suggesting that these people are crazy like me. I'm suggesting that it's a very human thing to want more goddamn room than you're given and, and to want people to be basically fucking polite to you. I find that shit offensive. Uh, and it's a very, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very white hetero guy thing to say uh, 
I've beat up people who were harassing queers. I've, I, you know, I, I caught a rapist once and I, I beat the shit out of him. And I fucking, you know, uh, uh, I'm a good guy. And these things can be true, but they're not very interesting. And, and they, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't really <laughs> prove any point at all except a sort of ego trip for the guy who gets to say them, right? Because uh, what the trans person is looking for uh, uh, is what the trans person is looking for, not what, whatever my fucking allyship that I want to throw on there, you know, for whatever motivation, you know, to look good or to actually support somebody or whatever, whatever Hallmark card feeling I decide I want to get out of this uh, is not necessarily what is being asked for, you know? And, and uh, what I see her asking for is a very basic good thing. And her, her argument in favor of it doesn't seem to me to be a very good argument. Uh, I can follow most of what Chappelle says. His presence comforts me when his material is weak. And I think a lot of the material is weak in this one. It's just not worth talking. I was very moved. Uh, the, uh, the Space Jews joke caught me by surprise. Because uh, my feelings on Israel are essentially uh, encapsulated in that joke. Uh, uh, my sense of the rightness of Israel insisting on being a state in the middle of the most unstable part of the world because of uh, prophecy strikes me as extraordinarily medieval for my favorite race on earth. I'm a racist. I think Jews are my favorite people. Certainly American Jews are my favorite subcategory of Americans. I just like how they operate in the system. I like what they do. I like all the Jews that I've ever met just about. You know, I like their families. I like their rituals. I like their sense of tradition. And I think it's lacking in, uh, in my own personal tradition. And so I gravitate toward these things. And what Israel is doing, so I have these you know, enormous, overwhelmingly powerful, positive uh, feelings about Jews in general. And then I think of Israel and how it is today. And I cry, literally, about this. This bothers me so much. Yeah, I so, so when, uh, uh, you know, so, so all this shit that's playing in, right? I thought that joke was funny because it was politically on point and also a surprising, funny punchline. And, and so, so I like that. And the story that he told about the trans woman who uh, came to every one of his shows, and so he made her his opening act, and she bombed, and then she was great at the after party. And so he, you know, he kept this relationship going with her until she killed herself uh, after... I'm not saying it's a causal relationship, but uh, right after and during the time that she was being uh, vilified uh, to the extent that the internet can do it uh, by the trans community for being a friend of Dave Chappelle. Now, is this an overall scientific, you know, uh, 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 no, this is a fucking anecdote. Uh, I found it very compelling. I thought he handled the storytelling well. I thought the writing was excellent. I thought his point uh, made sense to me politically that we all eat each other and we eat our own kind first because we're the easiest ones. And I think that's a very valid and profound point, and I liked hearing it there. Uh, the turf thing bounced off my fucking helmet. I, didn't even, I don't even know what that word means. He explained it a little bit. It didn't make any sense to me. I don't understand... Uh, why being why J.K. Rowling being labeled uh, a thing, uh, and him saying, "Okay, if you don't like me," essentially, I mean, there, there was a, a lot of lead up. There was a lot of uh, 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 setup to the line, "I'm Team Turf," that that we're not keeping in context. Uh, but to say "I'm Team Turf," I get it. That's very offensive to a bunch of people. It's like saying the N word to somebody uh, who doesn't like it, right? I guess, and and that's. 
Uh, to the extent that we have to honor that uh, every time somebody says that this is a thing, that's a lot of power to put in the hands of somebody you already kind of don't agree with. And so, so it's, a very, it's a very steep ask, and I think that's his point in that joke. You didn't hear that because, uh, either because it's not there, and I supplied it because it goes along with my politics, or because you didn't hear it because of your helmet. And we both hear, you know, according to, uh, I have these cheap fucking headphones that I think are cute because they look like the, the old Sony Walkman headphones. And you can hear not nearly as well through them as you could hear through the old Sony Walkman headphones. As I recall, they were pretty good fucking headphones, and these are, these are shitty uh, little knockoffs. But we all hear through something, you know? And I'm fascinated by this conversation going from a, a state of relatively high emotion, because I didn't realize you felt that way about him. I, I, I guess we hadn't talked about him. And so I, I came out and well, said a much of a very strong shit. And so I didn't realize that, that that was something that mattered so much to you. And our ability to have this conversation is very inspiring to me. It is. Well, I'm glad. I, it's nice to have an actual back and forth about this one. Tell me, what is um, TERF? I literally don't know. It, it means you're a person who, who is anti-trans or something, right? It's this... It's this. I, don't ask me what the number is, but it's this new wave of feminism. They call themselves feminists. Uh, and it's it's about uh, people who are transgender, not born bio- yeah, bio- yeah, yeah. biologically a yeah. woman, and becoming a woman is stealing away all the hard, hard things that feminists like J.K. Now, Rowling have worked for. So do you think that J.K. Rowling... And plus they go to the same bathrooms and they don't want them in the same bathrooms because they're constantly getting raped by transgender women in bathrooms. Never happened. Has never No, happened. I don't think it's that ever happened. Bullshit things that Team Turf spreads around. Trust me, I had a whole friend who was Team Turf. It's a very British white lady thing to be. Um, and Ricky Gervais. Uh, and Dave Chappelle. Now, what, what I what now, I have, uh, but it's mostly British white ladies. What I have observed uh, J.K. Rowling to say is not exhaustive research, and it's not uh, uh, at all uh, the whole story. Uh, I uh, things I've seen her quoted as saying seem to me fairly innocuous, like, "Well, okay, but you can't be that surprised when women who have, as you you know, as you describe." been doing a certain kind of feminism for a long time, you can't be surprised if some of us are alarmed by uh, people uh, horning in on our act uh, on some level. And you get this with light-skinned and dark-skinned blacks. You get this with all kinds of liberal uh, formulations. You get people pretending to be black so that they can be in the in on the act right you get people who this affects people emotionally and uh, and, and and logistically in very strong and very specific ways because it's about identity and i think that identity element to it is just so goddamn it's so goddamn dangerous you know uh, it strikes me as a lot like nationalism and and the identity with which i combat what I perceive as, as a, a movement against reason and toward opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I use a lot of energy to fight it, but that's also, to a certain extent, to defend my identity. And, and I'm not 100% sure what good it's doing any 
group to uh, to be rabid, you know, in defense of their uh, position because it, it uh, I think it's a bad look. Sure. Uh, at the same time, like what it, it, like, it what, indicates at the same, it indicates bad just faith. Just like devil's advocate on that. What what good does it do to poke uh, at that? At that hive of restlessness. So, so what? What's what's the rule? You don't talk about it. What what, I, no, what words not, are now no outlawed? Rules. Jason, there's there's no rules. I, I'm not. I'm no. not. No, why why poke at it is exactly a good question. So so that's at the heart of the matter. They, Dave Chappelle shouldn't say what he says. Fine. I didn't good. say that. What are, I didn't what is the, say that. If if oh look, if he didn't want this conversation that we're having to happen, he wouldn't have said anything. As far as a, in his stand-up act, I don't know what good it was for comedy. I don't know what the funny is. So, but but what you're saying is that. <sighs> You're limiting comedy to a list of jokes, and I think that, that uh, we can agree that it's, it, you know, it can be a lot more than that. Sure, sure of course. But, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, when, uh, when you do comedy, you should have jokes. There should be funniness to it. Um, uh, something uh, uh, that would make me laugh, uh, surprise me on some level. Because, you know, it, like as pokey as the closer is, it didn't surprise me because I knew he was coming out to poke those things, those elements again, because that's what he's been doing in his last number of acts. I, and I'm not saying he shouldn't say these things. It, you know, I, th- this is not about me saying somebody should be muzzled. Uh, it's not me saying they should take down this Netflix special. I think they should leave it up forever because in 10, 15 years, he's going to feel like Eddie Murphy did about his gay jokes in the eighties about these things. I, I think he'll come around to it. I think he's a smart guy. Um, I, 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 it, it's just, I, I don't know what the point is of him saying it, not saying that he can't, but also the blowback and, and it, it is, is more first amendment, which, which has, this is which, more first amendment. This is first amendment. He used his as a millionaire comedian and then transgender people who worked at Netflix got mad about it. This is all first amendment rights. Uh, it's uh, about a dozen of them, about a dozen of them walked out, uh, uh, that day at, and joined the protest. Uh, that's, you know, that's some people. It was not the thousands that were reported as coming out, uh, in the media, uh, in, in the Washington post and in the New York times and in, uh, uh, the, this. And so the, the, the extent of this thing determines our, in, our involvement in it. I mean, you'll have to agree. I, I maybe not, but I, I think that, uh, uh, and I'm not. I'm not saying that because only a dozen people uh, joined the protest that day that was predicted to be, you know, thousands of uh, Netflix employees walking out, which didn't happen. Um, and Netflix gave them the fucking day off if they wanted it. You know, everybody had a everybody had a fucking uh, uh, is what I read. Uh, at any rate, one of them um, got fired for leaking information about contracts or something. But yeah. He, yeah, that's right. Um, but but uh, I but I see but I see what you're saying. That, but then exactly. also, like that thing that the uh, anti-media so, media yeah, yeah. proved about the media or whatever it was, uh, as far as the numbers, means that it's not the entire community that is having this problem. It's a small amount of voices. So so uh, why? They're being amplified in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the L.A. Times, and Variety. I, I, so I, so I, I think their, their point is, is very much out there. It's, it, it's made uh, uh, very clearly uh, by multiple uh, uh, representatives 
daily. And I think that uh, as far as the Chappelle show, uh, the New York Times uh, and the Washington Post and the L.A. Times all reported that there was an incident that was going to take place when a thousands of uh, 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 at first it was a thousand and then it became thousands and then it became dozens when the, when they actually went to the, the the protest that day and the number of people who had left work at Netflix that day uh, nobody apparently quit over this as far so, as I, I mean tell. in uh, so you know, that, that's the size. That's the size in in terms of uh, uh, psychic involvement and physical involvement. That's the size of the gesture from the community, uh, which is outshone enormously by the number of uh, mainstream media outlets who made this a thing about how Dave Chappelle is pissing off this group of people. And to the extent that he is pissing off this group of people, uh, I'm not sure because you get the same three or four names uh, that are quoted in every one of these articles. And most of the quotes are identical. The AP quote is the New York Times quote is the Washington Post quote is the L.A. Times quote. So uh, and then they're talking to the same several representatives of the community who have been representatives of the community uh, appointed have, you know, th- there's a lot of information that I don't have about uh, where these arguments are coming from and which, rep- which, which uh, constituents are actually behind this gesture by a purported leader of the community. Um, a lot of these people uh, seems to be on the Republican side, on the Democratic side, on the, on the fringy sides. A lot of people make their living investigating, uh, or rather uh, reporting to reporters about issues that affect them. You know, mm-hmm. these are called lobbyists. And does every industry have lobbyists? Yes, they do. And should the trans uh, community have lobbyists? Fuck yeah, everybody has them. And should they be telling lies about what's in the show? Um, of course not. And to a large extent, uh, you don't think they are, right? You think that, that what Dave Chappelle says is over the top, just patently offensive, and basically in bad taste. And so not that he should be taken off the air. I'm not saying you're saying that, but, but you're saying that it's just, like, stupid yeah, to say I'm, that. Yeah, uh, Jason, it, just in general, I am usually going to take I, – I, I can't think of an instance where I wouldn't take the side of the marginalized group uh, in, an, in something like this. And to me, that's what it boils down to. It sounds like – it sounds like well, what do you, the, okay, so, the, so the bigger okay. issue that I am not um, – acknowledging is what you're saying about the way the media blew this up. And that's a little bit more interesting uh, 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 as far as something I can think about and, and uh, um, consider. Um, however, uh, and, and it's not taking out of context. It's a direct quote. It's uh, in the, I am team turf. So for me, yes, I do find that offensive. I don't know why that was necessary. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's the same thing as taking some like weird uh, a right-wing stance against uh, 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 black people or something. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, that, that's very interesting because I, I don't I don't I don't see that use of that language in any way uh, the way that you do. And but so you that, don't, but that, you don't even uh, know you don't uh, you, you're, you should you should they be theorized yourself of what turf is? Who came Who came up no with idea, the term turf? Man. I just. No idea. Exactly. So you haven't familiarized yourself even with the language that you're using to tell me. What's I have familiarized to these myself people. with it, Jason. And these Jason, people is being used. Now, see, this is when we get into arguments like this. Sometimes you get real condescending and say, "I am not just because I, I don't have I don't have." The I'm terminology asking you fucking questions, me. man. I'm just I, asking so, you and questions. I'm, I'm, 
You you brought up Team Turf. That, but that's I didn't what we're fucking arguing about. I'm asking about, you Jesus, what it means. Jesus Christ. We're, we're arguing about something Dave Chappelle said in an act, which is exactly what he said. I am Team Turf. So, and I am familiar enough with Team Turf. Yes. I can't remember what the stupid letters stand for, but they stand for something. Has some new wave feminist thing that J.K. Rowling and Ricky Gervais are aligned with. I know that much. I, I know. I've do they had, call themselves turf, or does I, somebody else call them? Turf? I have I, I have a friend, a former friend, who's British. We had this whole conversation about it. She called herself right. Team Turf uh, as well, uh, and 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 because of okay. I had to do all this research to figure out what the hell that was and what whatever the sixth, seventh right. wave of feminism was and all it was. It's not feminist because it, it, by Dave Chappelle actually said this in his act, which I thought was oh cool. Finally, somebody's saying this. Uh, that the def- the definition of feminism, which is, I think everybody should have equal rights. It's 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 that simple. You're a feminist if you think everyone should have equal rights. Uh, Team Turf does not. Team Turf is a group of s- self-proclaimed feminists who believe that okay. transgender people do not have the same rights as them. That is. What rights do they not have? They they don't have the rights to go. I'm asking. I'm asking you. I don't. I don't know. To go go into the bathrooms. To, to, to go they want, to, to, to uh, have the same. Okay. Uh, uh, what else? The same equalities that women have because they're not real women. So under under protection of law, turf people don't think that uh, a transgender woman should. Uh, be able to be what protected by the Equal Rights Amendment or something, which hasn't ever been passed, even though it's been around f- fucking fifty years. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what legal rights or what what rights there are being. Uh, 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 these women think that trans women are subsuming. What, what, what is this monolithic block that says, okay, we have this rule about the rights of trans women? What rights are they denying them specifically? Not to be able to go into women's restrooms, I get, and that seems to me. Fucking stupid. Uh, that's what it physically up. means. What, 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 what else? What? But it's also this argument that uh, women fought for the rights to vote, the right equality, and continue to fight for equal pay and all that stuff. Um, and uh, and, and the, the concept, I believe, of, of turf thinkers is that uh, people who are biologically born male but identify as women are undercutting all of that fight and they don't deserve the same rights because they weren't really part of that fight yeah and this there's a lot of this uh, old school feminism that's been clashing with a lot of the new school feminism uh, over issues that have nothing to do with trans people but the uh, uh, you know uh, uh, since the 70s fucking uh, you know started since uh a lot of the writers in, in the 70s, Susan Sontag argued with uh, whoever wrote the Simone Beauvoir uh, uh, and, and, you know, because the, the thought was moving, you know, there was evolution in the movement and these people have been fighting with each other ever since. And I think this is a, a, just another one of those. I feel like, yes, there are always going to be people who say I was here first and these are the rules and we set up these rules and you saw this in ACT UP. Uh, you saw this when lesbians joined ACT UP and uh, made the movement very uh, uh, aggressive. And, they, and they, uh, you know, the movement 
uh, in terms of, of legal rights, leapt forward within about 10 years and did this thing when uh, gays and lesbians actually decided to unite and, and, and those different voices became heard in the movement. There was enormous political success and enormous legal success, a great many uh, victories. And so uh, uh, obviously what the uh, various communities in, uh, in, in, the, in feminism need to do is figure out how to deal with each other and not be so rude, right? And not be so, so uh, 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 dismissive of each other's fucking attitudes. I'm literally asking you, I'm so sorry, I do not mean to be condescending in any way. I'm literally asking you from ignorance, this word that, 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 that is absolutely unacceptable to him is unknown to me. And I would have to say the vast majority of the people who would ever listen to this show. So what uh, uh, nailing down these these words. So if, if this if, if this word specifically means, among other things, that uh, uh, Dave Chappelle stood there and said, "Yeah, I'm team. You can't go into the toilet that you want to." I agree. That's a very strange thing to say, and it seems an, an, an unlike other things that he has said, uh, uh, which seem to me to be overall very respectful and, and treat the trans community exactly as he treats every other community that he makes fun of. Um, I, I, I haven't seen the, the uh, overall overreach that he does toward trans people specifically, uh, especially in terms of uh, jokes that insult them or belittle them uh, for their lives. Uh, I haven't seen this. I, I don't see the same things when I see uh, stuff he says. So, so this Team Turf thing is very fascinating to me because this clearly made an impression on a lot of people. And aligning himself with people who want to deny them the right to go to the right bathroom does seem to me ill-advised and, 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 and wrong. Uh, uh, it was not clear to me from his act that that's uh, the one he was representing, but if that's what those words mean, then that's terrible. Because this is obviously a conflict between fucking arms of the same movement. You know, you got your left hand slapping your right hand and saying, you're mm -hmm. not the left hand. And then that's silly, and, and we shouldn't have that. Speaking of which, uh, uh, in uh, the worst thing, what, what do you think is the worst production element, worst, worst, uh, worst thing, casting or, or, or script or whatever, what do you think is the worst thing, the thing that works least in uh, Promising Young Woman? Is there an element of the production that you're just like, what the fuck? There was one kind uh, of What was it? Um, that stood out. It was casting. It was the boyfriend. The doctor boyfriend, who was apparently some YouTube sensation. I was going to ask you like if you saw his uh, special. Uh, I didn't. I Is he it. funny? Uh, Colby is a fan of his. Um, Bo, Bo Burnham. Yeah, there's a guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. So, uh, uh, so I had never seen him before. I, I was unaware of his presence. And we saw him in this movie, and I thought, oh, the gay best friend has showed up in the movie. And he's not. He's the love interest, right? And he's this extremely metrosexual, extremely uh, uh, casual and sort of wimpy, uh, even, physical presence. Uh, I, I think uh, 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 his, his performance in the movie is mm -hmm. of the gay best friend. And his, uh, uh, he's wrong. He's wrong in every way for this part. Uh, and he kind of fucks up the movie by being a totally different character from what the, the, uh, what the production seems to require. Did you find uh, this at all? I thought he was miscast in the extreme. A very charming performer, but doing something uh, I thought that was what do totally you wrong. I mean, I didn't, he didn't take me out of it. I mean, I, I could see where it was going with his character, too. 
you know, the, one of the things about Promising Young Woman that I liked is you can see some of the stuff coming, but it do, it's still entertaining as it comes. Yes. So, you know, like I kind of knew what was going on with his character the whole time. And the charm of his character... Yeah, Corey, Corey figured it out right away. I, the I charm of his character coming. worked. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm just curious, what, what was the thing that you wanted him to do that he wasn't doing? Or what do you think was... Uh, he projected no... First of all, they had no chemistry of any kind except like little giggly okay. best friends. And, and most of the montages of, of their relationship were, were uh, giggly best friend type moments. And there was no sexual tension and there's no sexual projection from this guy that I can see at all. He seems to be kind of a cipher in that way. And I did a tiny bit of research and apparently he was uh, uh, very active as a young person. And I guess his whole life, uh, uh, most of his friends are gay. He grew up on the gay straight alliance in, in, in school and stuff. And, and uh, as far as I can tell uh, uh, from outside, he seems to have shaped his personality to uh, being comfortable in that milieu of a non-threatening physical presence who uh, clearly is a, uh, a boon to man. He's very light, happy, charming, seems very smart, uh, and seems nice, you know? And, and he has no uh, masculine uh, heft to the performance that has to make her think, oh, I could get back into humanity. I There's no it. sexual I energy there, I, I think. And, and I find that, and I think he's shutting it off on purpose because that's a part of his sort of uh, post-millennial I'm coming from to you from a neutral position. Sort I get of, that. Uh, I, mean, I don't know that. I, I'd like to. I'd like to see if he can play something else. I, I don't. I don't know. I could be. You know. Obviously. I, don't I see know. what you're, I I, I see what you're saying. He took me out of the movie every time. There, every time he was in it. All these other guys are. All these other guys are playing bros, and he's very specifically shouldn't play a bro so that she can fall in love with him. But he's playing gay. Best I see friend. what you're saying. Um, yeah, maybe that's a nuance that that would have been better uh, in other hands. Although, well, he's ex- apparently he's extraordinarily uh, young. Uh, for uh, he's been very successful with stand-up. Yeah, and I mean, stuff, it's most, music, like he's like uh, literally a, blo- a blow-up YouTube star who's gotten you know his comedy specials based on that. Yeah, um, and he had a TV show. But I don't know what how much well, he had he's a been doing. TV show, which I watched one episode of, and I didn't care for it. Uh, um, but I did watch his special. I think it's called. Was was it yeah. a sitcom? Yeah, it was like a it was like a weird okay. sitcom. Uh, I, I didn't get it. Cole, and Colby likes him, but didn't like that show either. Um, he likes his U- old YouTube stuff. Uh, but we we both liked his special Inside, which he created during the pandemic. And I was going to ask you if you saw. It. Yeah, I really didn't like that. That's okay. Good. Yes, I did, and I, I turned it off. I thought it was really self indulgent <laughs> and not funny. Now there again, right? I, I wanted something uplifting. I was I came very specifically looking for something uh, that was going to be cheerful about uh, our miserable uh, experience over the last, and I thought that it was really insular, and uh, 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 I, I felt shut out of it and he was being very very precious about these moments that were super mundane and and most of the part that i watched which was about 20 minutes uh most of it seemed like filler so i, I was just I, I didn't give a shit and when he and when he did sing uh, uh it wasn't very poignant to me it didn't didn't really move me um and you, uh, yeah, i, th- I was amused you. uh he made jokes and i thought they were funny um 
Because I thought in, in the movie, he's so charming and promising young woman. I find him a really winning presence. And I really hoped that somehow they'd fix the terrible mistake that they had made by introducing him as the romantic lead uh, for this, you know, woman who clearly has some sexual frustration. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, but in a way, a lot going on. But, uh, you know, I think you, you, you have a good point that it's maybe a weak place because that part of the movie did start to get a little draggy for me because we knew I knew where it was going the whole time when she sort of abandons her revenge mm. to hang out with him for a while in the second act before, you know, he mm. screws it up. Yeah, there's only yeah, one, yeah, exactly. one way you that You know where go. it's going in, the, in right. that movie. And if, if they had had yeah. more genuine sexual tension, it might have been more uh, less draggy. Uh, so I take your point there. That said, though... Like for that particular movie, having him be that metrosexual and having a romantic partner being basically a gay best friend, uh, kind of seemed seemed to, to make sense. Yes, it does. I totally agree. Yes, it does. Kind of, it does. Kind of. Uh, uh, I feel like there are lots of actors who could have done both at the same time. Like uh, you know, uh, uh, Ryan. Uh, What's his name? The Aqua. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I love Lantern. that you went with gr- not uh, Deadpool. Green Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> I I actually watched the opening of that the other day. I'm gonna watch that fucker. That's a crazy, crazy bad oh, movie. Yeah. Uh, I did I did yeah I didn't I didn't get very far, but it looks like a lot of fun. Did, I had to. I had did to you watch Free Guy reason. yet? Uh, no, but uh, I'll be curious if you like yeah, it because I'm, I'm obligated. Yeah, I watched by the it girl. and I was expecting the worst. So very low bar. But about a half hour in, I was like, Am I? Am I having fun? And then by the end, it was like, yeah, that was fun. I, That's great. I low expectations. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. Yes, every time. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is somebody who is extremely upbeat, could have played that part you know, perfectly. It was written for him or Cary Grant, somebody who's charming and yet could be a psychopath. <laughs> Uh, but is super upbeat and will fuck you all night. You know, that 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 kind of a, a you know, that's what we want in a movie star. And this movie is very intentionally avoiding most of those tropes. Right? This movie very successfully uses uh, a very specific set of tropes and tries to surprise you elsewhere. And I think there's a lot of that and it's nice. I I, I, I liked that this charming upbeat guy came into her fucked up black little world, but I just wish he would have given her uh, you know, as far as I know, that guy, Bo Burnham's got a huge dick. I don't know. Maybe he's a great lay. He, he, he looks like you'd really have to talk him into it. You know, he's just not, not project. Fucking uh, Rock Hudson has about a thousand times as much sexual energy as that guy. Uh, and I think that's a good benchmark because when Rock Hudson comes on, even I want to fuck Rock Hudson. You know, he's so, he's so uh, powerful in command and, and reserved at the same time. It's so, so attractive. And when Bo Burnham comes on, I'm like, let's get popcorn. Let's, let's get candy popcorn. And let's watch uh, Legend of Lila Claire again. And, uh, uh, you know, some Jane Russell epic. Uh, he just looks like uh, fun, but he doesn't look yeah. like he'd fuck you. No, I get you. Sorry. No, it's... Sorry, sorry. It's sorry right. for my... It's all right. Uh... uh there's a friend of ours, uh, Daryl, used to live on uh, 16th It's funny that you bring up Daryl last night. I guess. I, I, you just made me remember. I literally was dreaming about Daryl. Wow. Is it something it you can talk it wasn't, about? You know, mundane dream. You know, just hanging out somewhere, and then Daryl showed uh-huh. up. And I was like, oh, shit. Hey, Daryl. 
<laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. It didn't. Nothing in the dream was. Oh, this is a dead guy dancing around. I was just like, oh shit, Daryl. <laughs> haven't seen you in a while. And we joked around, and that was it. Daryl's our good friend, our good friend and colleague who uh, has uh, passed on about what ten years ago? No, longer than that. But longer? God, God, I feel old. Yeah. Uh, uh, why did I bring him uh, up? You were bringing. I'm sorry, I, I, I interrupted you. You. No, you, I'm so sorry. We it's had totally, a friend, totally uh, Daryl, and you were about to. Maybe it had to do with. <laughs> We were talking about Bo Burnham, and he wasn't sexy right. enough and promising young woman, and we have a mutual friend, so... God damn it. God damn it. You're so good at that, and you just walked me oh, right I'm toward sorry. it, and I still can't see it, because I'm too... I'm too self-absorbed. I just, uh, uh, I just turned over. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have multiple windows open, and I'm mostly looking at you, because you're vastly the more entertaining <laughs> subject, and... Uh, I look over and this fucking movie has like a long, long yeah, bit yeah. left, you know, and I'm super enjoying the conversation. I think this is this is fun. And yet uh, I am so disheartened by the fact that didn't he kill her already? Didn't he shoot her? No, they drowns her in the water later. Who did he shoot in the car? There's a moment in, in Many Saints of Newark car, where he yeah. shoots somebody uh, in the head. Yeah, uh, I, I was uh, watching that uh, for a moment, but I only saw the blood spatter, and I missed who it was shot. Honestly, yeah. the first time I watched this, yeah, I, see, and, I and, stopped and, paying attention at the hour mark. Because cause this movie... You bastard. I, st- I, I sat through the whole attention. thing, but this movie is like... It, it's the ultimate in fan service. It, 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 it apparently, if you... Because I only watched Sopranos for like two and a half seasons before I lost interest in it. So and I know of like big prop, mm-hmm. plot points and people who died ultimately and all that and I know there's references to them but unless you have a, a hard on for those kind of Easter eggs I don't know what there is in many Saints in New York for you. Did you did you like The Sopranos? I, I really liked the first the season. Show? And no, I watched the first season and I couldn't. I couldn't go on. Well, technically, I don't think you were supposed to. They they originally made that as a miniseries, and it was so popular that they they oh, expanded yeah. it, which is in my mind is why it lost steam for me. Uh, what was it you didn't like mm. about the first season? Okay, there was one episode where he decides not to kill the child molester that's on his daughter's uh-huh, his daughter's uh-huh. coach for something. And uh, uh, and he, he, he he's going to kill him. And everybody talks him out of it. Everybody says, don't kill him. Let the cops do it. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. And he's Tony Soprano, so he's going to kill him. And at the end, he gets drunk and decides, I'm going to be the good guy and not kill him. And he thinks he's a good guy now. And it was the only interesting dynamic. And then he gets drunk and he's, he's laughing in his house. And there's this wonderful last shot. Uh, where he where he falls into this uh, nice leather uh, chair, uh, drunk with happiness and liquor, but also just this joy of uh, of of not having to play the ogre once mm-hmm. when he could. And I thought that was just uh, I, I didn't see a lot of that in the show. Uh, the the opening shot of the whole series, I think, is him. Uh, chasing a, a college professor up on a lawn at the college and hitting him with his car because mm-hmm. he's collecting for a, a loan uh, or a gambling debt or something. And uh, I immediately didn't like the character. I said, uh, you know, I teach. I <laughs> have debt. 
I, <laughs> I'm not identifying. I'm not identifying with you, sir. Uh, and and I had that problem for most of the series. Most of these people I found repellent and uncharming in the way that Scorsese's gangsters are charming. Or uh, Abel Ferrara, at least the world is so weird of the gangsters that it's fascinating. And I found The Sopranos kind of like a TV version of that, and I, I wasn't that interested. Uh, what did you find compelling about uh, the um, show? Well, for me, it was so much of it was the performance of Gandolfini and and Edie Falco mm. as well. I really liked, and and you know, a fun cast of uh, a character, very uh, very Italian mobstery character actors around them was fun, and I do have an affinity for gangster stuff. Um, and and, and I did yeah. like the tension of it. You know, uh, for me, there was a lot of that underlying, mm-hmm. and that's what dissipated when mm-hmm. he continued. Mm-hmm. So, Tony's okay. kind of a very volatile character, right? Um, and if if you don't like it, like, I get it. Like, my mother-in-law couldn't watch, just can't watch that shit. She can't watch Goodfellas. She's like, why am I watching these assholes shoot people? I don't like them. And I don't like violence, and I don't right. like this. Right. It's inhuman. Uh, so, I, I like, I get that. That makes total sense. But... Sort of what I like about it is that creepy element, that creepy tension that hangs in in good gangster movies, you know, in, in The Godfather. It's always dr- there's always so dread. so in this and, so and for me Tony Soprano came with yeah, that, but it yeah like it came yeah. with that dread tension that comes with good uh, gangster storytelling. But he was also conflicted, like you said. It came out in that very scene that you said, and he has he had the the uh, mm-hmm. meetings with Lorraine Bracco, the, the the therapist or psychiatrist, and right. all that. Which, which, which I also found a very tired trope. I find that so... The, 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 the character that uh, divulges his, his strongest feelings to a doctor, I feel like, is, was old when Sherlock Holmes did it. You know, it's a really... It really no, I, no, that no. I get, I, Sorry. I, that's, I, it worked for me, uh, again, because I thought the performances were good. Um, but... It, yes. Lorraine Bracco's yeah. fucking... I, I mean, it was, so le- it was less about... That it was a trope. It just worked for me in maintaining the tension and maintaining this con- inner conflict that he had about being a gangster. But the but the problem yeah, is, yeah, is once it yeah. got past those initial ten episodes of the first season, you know, then it was also like, well, why isn't he killing more people, or why aren't more people killing him? So, and then it becomes, well, you know, Tony Soprano is going to live through everything because it's the Tony Soprano show, um, and yeah. so. That dread, that tension, that dread tension I was talking about, that dissipated, and then the, so the show became more meandering and less interesting to me. Uh, to me, he was too volatile a character yeah. not to have die sooner. Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 I agree. Um, and I, I, I remember the show. The show made very little impression on me. I can't remember very much. Uh, and I, so, if it was a miniseries at first, I probably only saw like six episodes, right? Or, or you know, the, not the a, a miniseries. Ten. They call them limited series. Yeah. Like one. Yes, I think yes, it's ten a limited or twelve episodes. Now. The first. Uh, it might have been less. I don't remember. Uh, the uh, yeah, I, uh, the only things that made any impression on me were that scene with the. Uh, college professor in that scene where he doesn't kill the guy and he's all happy um but at any rate it didn't have my number for some reason uh uh and and i I wanted to talk about this movie in that context how much of that dread how much of that gangster 
you know, that, that worked for you in The Sopranos, how much of that is in None. The Many Saints of Newark? Zero. For you. And how early, how early in the movie did that happen for you? I, I would say I was 20 minutes in when I realized it's too much of a mess. There are too many um, characters. They're not... Right, they're not, right, right. First shots on the boardwalk there, it was just like, ah, oh, fuck, there's too much going on. You're introducing me to and the whole people movie's like so that. cheap. It's you like know, constantly just, introducing you to new characters. Yes. Like, Who the fuck is this? Yes. And I know that yes. if I had stuck with the show, maybe I would have some... But I'm not... I don't have... You, we have these conversations. I can't remember what TERF stands for. I can't remember all the fucking details of a show that I watched 10 years ago. I wouldn't... It's it's what it's uh, uh, my question about turf. By the way, was not about what the acronym stands for, but who invented the term, who was using it, who was weaponizing it, or whether they were using it as a, as a defense oh, oh, or as a, as a it, claim. My that's anecdotal, all I, that's all I was asking. Like I, I said, promise. my anecdotal evidence is. Uh, I mean, a woman identified herself as Team Turf. That I know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, all, yeah. That's all absolutely, I absolutely. That that for the purposes of this conversation, that's that. I love it. I, I'm good. Uh, uh, Look at this Ray Liotta in the, in the prison him. thing. Uh, uh, now he's, I, I was very happy with Ray Liotta in this movie because in the beginning when he plays the the one brother, he's very monstrous, and they film him correctly. His face is monstrous. His whole persona is monstrous, and they kill him, and you're glad. And uh, then his brother shows up in prison. He's been in prison for fucking fifty years, and uh, he's just awesome he's excellent he's a totally different guy he's a totally different uh, uh physical presence he's uh, uh i just uh, he really ought to surprise the shit out of me in this yeah apparently i read that, that he was offered the original series in some kind of role and he declined uh, uh i don't know who they wanted him for uh but he said no and uh, you know that's one of those actor things you know george raft said no to you know, five movies that made Humpy Bogart. And Sutherland insisted star. on his quote uh, for Animal House and didn't take points. Hindsight. Hindsight it. is twenty twenty. Damn it. Damn it. This fucking movie, everybody's on coke. This movie's going to suck. Look at that. They're falling down the stairs with motorcycles. <laughs> this is silly. I'm an actor. I worked with Nicholas Rogue, you sons of bitches. Uh, so that 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 dread part is impossible in this, unfortunately. Even though you have these standout performances a couple of times, I think the kid playing Gandolfini as his father, uh, as his son, I just uh, it's very charming. But it, it it's it you know it's shtick casting. It's a stunt, and so it's well, and hard to take it seriously. He's not for me, bad, but he's also bit. relegated to a, a supporting no. character in this. He gets yeah, nothing to do. He has nothing to do in this show. He might as well not be in it. Uh, it's hardly, uh, uh, you know... Yeah, it, these look like it, developmental it, it, moments. It, it, sure, it's okay. They're not that big. They're also not that poignant. The, was that a thing in The Sopranos, that everything was kind of low rent, low stakes? Because they, they're not rich people, right? They're kind of middle-class gangsters. Is it, Was that a thing? I kind of got that vibe a little bit. Did that do that Yeah, a little bit in the series, that's a thing. But, like, again... That they're often haggling over fifteen thousand dollars. It's not like they're going to make a right. million dollar and those, heist or those something. Those are other yeah. interesting kind of thematic elements that drop away because it because those things. I don't know. You need a limited amount of time to ruminate on certain things. If they're and it's like sort of what launched the Sopranos or all these things that your underlying things that you and I are talking about, but they get lost because yeah, yeah. it's just there's too much. There's too much of it. There was too much Sopranos. 
So it dissipated the tension, you know, for me. Other people loved it because people right. get if super like with television, certainly they get so invested with the character, they'll hang out with it. And I'm guilty of this. I watched the last two seasons of Dexter. Why? I don't know. Hey, I'll watch I'll watch the Chappelle show, even though the last one was a little disappointing and this one was even more disappointing. I'll watch the next one just because yeah, I okay. like the character. So, yeah, that's Absolutely. what that's what yes. we're talking about. Exactly. It, it, like, exactly. Yeah, the writing falls. The the yeah, and exactly. if there's inconsistencies exactly. in now, character thing, and narrative, like yeah. The Sopranos had one episode that was directed yeah. by yeah. Steve Buscemi, yeah. which was great. It was a great like, and and they called it ultimately a bottle episode, which I guess was an excuse for dropping all the fucking storylines and never returning to them again. But like <laughs> these really interesting Russian gangsters, and it was involved, you know, characters stuck in a car in a blizzard in the snow and the woods. You know, and the visuals were great. It was huh. it was a tight, you know, just under an hour of television, really well directed by Buscemi. And Hill and I, when we watched it, we were like, "Holy fucking shit! We can't wait for the next episode. Can't wait to find out what." Yeah. Nothing. No. No conversation about anything that happened in the last episode. Yeah. It's never spoken of again. And that's that was ultimately my problem with The Sopranos. It was like. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I watched all of Lost. I'm, I'm never doing that again. If, if a show loses me, if yeah, I, I start find going, it, uh, eh, 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 yeah, and I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yep. I can't. Yep. There's no more sycophancy with me in TV shows. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm forced by uh, circumstance. I, I quit. Uh, the first time they, I missed the first episode of Squid Game. I did not want to see it, so she watched it. And she talked me into watching the second one, and I started watching it. As soon as they started shooting people in the head, because I missed the big one in the first one. I guess that's really, really bad when they're playing freeze tag or whatever. And uh, uh, the, all the shooting of the of of the meek, helpless people in the head, I find that imagery very discouraging. So I bailed out on the second one pretty early, and then uh, I think I watched the third and fourth, and then the sixth with her. Uh, because yeah, yeah, you, you cohabit, and you 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 want you want to share the same stories, and you want to share uh, uh, touchstones, you know, and that stuff is really good for the relationship. And so I sucked it up and quit being such a pussy, and I watched the fucking show mostly. And uh, boy, I don't like that. I, get I just it. don't like it. I just don't like it. And 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 what they're selling with this uh and this world also the sopranos world i find it man goodfellas i don't know what the difference is with mean streets i don't know what the difference is with fucking uh all that even the departed has it for me for all its fucking silly over-the-top faults it's got this giddiness this joy and delight in the storytelling that carry me along with these heinous awful characters and and somehow that perspective that god perspective that he does allows me to uh invest these heinous characters with my uh uh you know negative attributes the shit the poison that i want to catharsize and vomit out of my body gets gets absolutely easily taken down there and yet i don't feel shitty by hanging out in this (laughs) shitty world Somehow it's magic that he does that. And this no. does not achieve that for me. This is a shitty world that makes me feel shitty being in it. And The Sopranos kind of made me feel like that. And this movie, just like from the get, it makes me feel shitty to be there uh, because it's kind of ugly and not very interesting. And so uh, what they're selling then, because this was a huge hit, and, and now they're talking about making a series out of it again, uh, uh, 
you know, uh, they're selling IP. They're just selling. Uh, did you just teach me that term in the last uh, in the last episode or something? Somebody just uh, told me what IP is because I live in 1985, and this. Uh, this principle that people already like the characters and they like that milieu and so they'll sell it to you even if it's not right. really that anymore but it's got that brand on it and you it's the same the- fucking thing Disney does it's the same fucking thing all successful uh, uh, you know factories of entertainment I was just learn, gonna you know, compare to, this to fucking, the last uh, Avengers movie <laughs> <laughs> and then you said it, Disney. Yeah. It's like yeah. when I watched yeah. that movie, yeah. All, yeah. all nearly three hours of it. One, I was like, I feel like I'm just watching the last movie again because that's that's how they fixed their yep. problem is they went back in time. Yep. So they, you know, it's like Superman flew around the world a bunch of times to make it go backwards so Lois Lane wouldn't die. That was the only time yeah. that should have happened. Yeah. Because as it was, that was kind of a cheat. But yep. that, that, should, that shouldn't be the whole fucking premise yep. of the movie. But that's what it was. Avengers, whatever the second one was called, the end of Avengers or whatever. It's like this. It's like so much fan yeah. service with like no discernible narrative to really follow. I mean, I feel like there's a narrative in here buried under so uh, way too much information and way too many characters and subplots and everything. You know why I know that? Because one guy is in most of the shots, and that's a successful thing that they did in this. They put Alessandro Nivola in most of the center screen, and so I know exactly, exactly. That's my sign that there's a narrative going on and that I can follow it, and there's an arc. (laughs) He's still there. (laughs) That's what what I got. When uh, uh, in, in in this world, I... Only having to approximate the thing that you did before, right? And, and the sort of diminishing returns element that you get from that, that you expect. Um, here's the thing. Uh, uh, I've only watched a couple of the Fast and Furious movies. But they were very different movies. They had different stories. The characters were different. Um, the, the, uh, they, they stopped being just heist movies, you know, and they became about other things. Sometimes they were race movies. Sometimes they're mostly they looked like about the relationships, family, uh, family. This is a, a, a right, exactly. Uh, and again, I, I I don't know the the milieu hardly at all. Uh, the canon is completely uh, unknown to me. I, I remember certain scenes here and there. I guess uh, he won't be the, in the show. <laughs> I guess I forgot that. Yeah, I guess I was doing all that star in the uh, in the series, unless the series is a prequel to this <laughs> it's movie. It's costly going back in time. See, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, yeah, this movie sucks. But it, you know, it's it's got moments where it's pretty. It's got uh, it's got things, you know. Uh, but but essentially, I can't see any of them because, as you say, it's just a fucking mess. Uh, we we we. The Star Wars movies, it just hurts my heart that there wasn't a goddamn revolution every time a Star Wars movie was just a remake of the original, right? Uh, when the second Star Wars movie, uh, or is it the third, uh, uh, is a Jedi, or is it, uh, isn't there, aren't they building already another Death Star in uh, no, Empire? That, that's or has that Jedi. just come up in Jedi? So, so in Jedi, I felt really, really cheated as a fucking nine-year-old or whatever by the fact that uh, this was the same exact story, same exact uh, ending as, as uh, Star Wars, as, as, as the first one. I mean, the, we're attacking the Death Star. Yeah, right? but, but now there's... Every there's single fucking Star Wars different movie things. after that is about attacking the there castle. There are three different... Uh, 
things going on in Return of the Jedi to distract you from the fact that you're just watching it, the same thing again. Yeah. Got Ewoks. Yeah, I, I found that. You got uh, spaceships with the cheating. guy. And then you got uh, Luke Skywalker yeah. getting into it with his dad or whatever. Yeah, getting his hand back, you know, uh, dying. You got, you got dying Yoda. You got, you got all that, all that shit. Uh, but yeah, the, and the repeats that the that the rest of the Star Wars movies have done ever since, and these are just all assault the castle mm-hmm. movies every fucking time. And and uh, uh, well, don't go back to the golden ages, Jason. Don't talk about how uh, French Connection Two. Uh, is an extraordinarily different movie from sure. French Connection. Uh, it's not. It's a. It's a. Uh, where French Connection is is kind of an adult movie uh, told uh, in a in a surprising and challenging way. Uh, French Connection Two is just this genre action picture, uh, and yet it and so it's uh, and it knows that and so its uh, intentions are different. Uh, it, it takes this character into a comic book instead of this Dostoevsky novel. You know, and 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 the comic books elements of it are wonderful. It works on those levels perfectly. Uh, does it damage the the franchise uh, as everybody thought back in the seventies? And they're like, oh, how can you do this? You know, they're all reverential about Popeye Doyle, who was this racist asshole, kind of bigger than life, dick cop. You know, that was the whole point of him in the first one. And then they wrote this larger than life dick world for him to inhabit for the second movie and do this other direction you know this totally other genre and style uh and on those levels uh, i think it really works and what the star wars movie what all these disney uh uh franchises seem to do and what the hbo things fuck these the blonde lady with friends they should call all these fucking <laughs> limited series blonde lady with friends having wine and murder and and they're all the same fucking thing. And they're they're not doing sequels. They're doing uh, rewrites. You know, they're essentially a lot of the time telling the same fucking story uh, over again without doing the fucking basic work of creating a new story. It's very tiresome to the human spirit to have to see the same story told repeatedly when what you wanted, uh, you know, if you came for comedy, you should get jokes. If you came for a fucking story, I should get a new story. In the fucking 50s and 60s, there were these one-hour play shows, you know, these, these shows that would be a different story every week because that's what it takes to create a fucking yeah. story. you got to get a new one. You don't just continue the same characters necessarily if you want to get really interesting material. We don't do that stuff anymore. Not, Not really. really as much. Have you liked the the anthology series on, uh, I don't know if it's HBO or Netflix, the one by uh, uh, the guy that did Chappie? Oh, I haven't watched any of the director of Because uh, I, I like, guy. after District uh, the, 9, uh, I didn't like anything he did, yeah, so I don't yeah. know why I'd watch his... Now, that's a dirty, ugly world to spend time in. And if it wasn't quite so dirty and ugly and sticky, I would like that movie more. And that says something uh, about me. I think. Not Do you very like the, th- the the probably what you call it? His uh, have you you've watched uh, it? The, I like the 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 miniseries uh, 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 or whatever it is. The, these little short films. Uh, no, uh, some of them are, are, are good, and some of them are not good, and some of them are really boring. But uh, you know, overall, I, we stopped going. The great thing is the episodes are yeah. like eight minutes long. 
uh, it's it's really uh, entertainment light, and and uh, you know it's, it's not nearly as uh, morally challenging as as District Nine or whatever it is called. I hate the don't put a fucking number in your title. I'll forget what it is. You know, because within a couple of years we had Ban Louis Thirteen, oh, yeah. right, uh, which became Dis- District Thirteen in America about the uh, the guys fighting crime District, with uh, parkour. District B Thirteen. Yeah. District B thirteen, right? And the uh, and then there was a District nine. Uh, I just it was too, there were too many districts. Use, and can't use numbers. Can't, I, I, no, I can't. I, I, I can't keep you. them straight. I don't want to have to do that. I think that's asking a lot. <laughs> it's not. It, it's not personally. fair to ask your audience to to differentiate that way. You know, it, it, it's too bad, but you can only use it once. But uh, 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 the first movie I make uh, and release is going to be called oh, different yeah, movie. That's a, so that you know it's, it's not it's, it's not the one you saw before even though it's going to be a it's going to be basically a rewrite of uh, triple frontier uh, uh only the heist is going to be in space and i'm going to call it different movie even though and that's a joke cuz there's be a the same there's movie. A, a heist movie called triple 9 that's better than than the one you said who's in that one is that the one with uh it's got it's got who's in um, that one? Um, what's this? Oh, it, what's it, the guy's it, name from uh, Walking Dead and Boondock Saints? The greasy looking. Uh, dude? I always forget that, his name, but that guy's know. in it. It's got a bunch of people and uh, uh, um, Gerard Butler. I think shows is there. Is a crooked cop. There's a guy with three names who uh, I, I'm starting to like. Apparently, he, he, he's done a lot of work for a long time on television, and he played the sh- a U.S. Marshal uh, who helped uh, The Rock capture a giant Ra- ape Rampage? in a movie recently. I guess it was Rampage. And this, this actor with three names, uh, a very handsome, charismatic uh, uh, guy, uh, would be, see, over-masculine, for that part in Promising Young Woman. He, he would not be good as, as the romantic lead there because he's a little too threatening uh, sexually. A little too, little too uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I think he might be in Triple Nine. Uh, I'll, I'll look into it because uh, Triple Frontier <laughs> left me holding the bag. I felt like, uh, I don't know, like it, it felt like at least five Frontiers. It was a lot of fr- That were crossed. Yeah. Uh, it was a long time. And then I was, and then I didn't know what was happening, and I was lost yeah. in the jungle. It's one of those movies that counts on you to just be excited that there are this many good actors, plus Ben Affleck in a in a movie. <sighs> yeah. Everybody got paid, you know. You you get to think the whole time. Uh, it's good for the economy. They're happy. I hope Oscar Isaac gets himself some more intellectual property. Maybe he'll wind up in another space opera of some kind. I don't know. That's what I thought while I was watching yeah. Total Frontier. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's so precious. Uh, I got precious about uh, Oscar Isaac uh, in Drive, and I, I got really excited. And then immediately he blew up, and immediately he was playing all these big roles and, and getting stuff. And I fear that he's going to fade because a lot of uh, Mexican actors, uh, after they have their moment in Hollywood, really get dumped and they you know they find a younger one or whatever but but traditionally you don't have four or five javier bardems working in the industry uh in la in the same time that's true 
you know that usually and i hope i hope production is is going to take up the fact that we have this uh enormous number of uh minority uh, oh uh cory says that the 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 girl who's the coffee shop boss in uh promising young woman uh she thinks uh, she's a trans lady and I, I, I didn't think so at all, and I, I couldn't tell. I, I didn't, and, you know, it, and it just highlighted the fact to me that, you know, for some people, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm not looking for that shit. I can never tell who's gay. 75% of my fucking close friends are gay. I don't know why, but I fucking never can tell who's gay. From across, I don't have that. I, I don't, I've never, I I've don't never uh, anything. had that either. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't look for that either. But that's always. I think a lot. Of, I think I'm reacting to a mythology in which people present like a stereotype is what I you know because people who have gaydar are looking for elements that I'm not educated to look for. So I don't give a fuck. I'm not trying to find out if I can suck that guy's cock. When I look at a woman, yes, I'm looking at many elements that are fairly specialized. You know that I that I you know tried to give myself a little bit of expertise in what kind of signals are going on i look at a man you know is he hitting me are we laughing you know uh, that's all i want i just want to be having a good time and uh, uh gay people for the most part like me and i'm very lucky that way and i just don't fucking care you know and so many of us seem to be so passionate about making sure that everybody knows what we don't care about and i uh i hate that uh, I'm pretty sure that Dave Chappelle feels as I do uh, that he doesn't care and and not that he cares a lot and he's, he wants to be a, a, a you know for the sake of a fucking gag that he wants to persecute somebody or, or you know exploit somebody's somebody's it seems to me so fucking anti what I get from the character that does these shows as they speak to me and I want to boy you know as as the industry opens up and as as art uh becomes more inclusive uh you know we hope that society will follow right art always leads uh all theater companies now have had to hand over their leadership essentially to underrepresented voices uh, everybody in LA this is happening a lot in uh, uh academic and uh, uh not for profit theater uh to the extent that it starts happening in commercial theater we'll see uh, we're already seeing uh, uh, colorblind casting and genderblind casting start to happen in the commercial world. Uh, not much in movies and TV. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a start. And as this stuff starts to go, and as, as we stop uh, worrying about what killed Andy Garcia uh, from getting any bigger, or he thinks, uh, or I, I think I've read him say, uh, he always wanted to play guys named Smith. Right, he didn't want to have to play the Cuban immigrant guy. You know, he to, just to, wants to be a regular to, dude you know, to make up it. for the fact that he he wants to be a fucking uh, guy who can play any part. And why shouldn't you want that? And and that's what everybody wants, and that's wonderful. And the more this happens, I think, the more uh, uh, inclusive we get, uh, because art has that you know special capacity to influence. Um, you know, I'm very hopeful about the the revolution that's uh, happening. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, the last thing that I want is for Dave Chappelle to be some sort of benchmark of what's good and what's bad, what's healthy and what's uh, regressive and this kind of thing. Um, because, but it is, these kinds of stories are what set our sort of parameters for what the culture is and this kind of thing. And I think that's very dangerous. 
uh, in a lot of ways, and that uh, you know a general trend toward uh, inclusivity is uh, uh, you know vastly late and 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 very needed. And we all have our little you know minority groups to which we feel we belong. You know, our uh, you're a ginger, you know, whatever the fuck. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm a quarter Mexican, so I I always have a little bit of a fucking you know go team I on those little uh, throwaway, shitty, fucking Speedy Gonzalez parts that Gonzalez Gonzalez had to play for fucking 50 years. Bought several houses. You know, brought brought fucking multiple members of his... (laughs) There you go. Now, here's a guy who has stepped across the uh, Speedy Gonzalez line and will play anyone. And nobody is ever going to have a problem with Clifton Collins playing a Mexican until maybe now. I find this very interesting because we're going to see that same kind of infighting about what's, whose right is it to play this part. Well, Clifton Collins is, is uh, uh, what? He's, isn't, isn't he the guy that's... Uh, oh, fuck. I'm confusing him with the, uh, the guy. Oh, no, that's Cliff even. Curtis. Uh, who who gets who who Clifton? That's Cliff Curtis, and he he similarly he he'll play anything, and 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 so will anybody Brown, right? These guys, oh yeah, he's play played all kinds of parts. Mi- Cliff Middle Curtis Eastern gets to play leads. Uh, uh, yeah, he's played. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Clifton Collins is yeah. is straight up Latino. Yeah, he's right? the 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 bad guy okay. in Crank Two uh, High Voltage. He's been around forever. He yeah. used to be. The reason why I brought um, him up is because you said Gonzalez Gonzalez, and he literally used to go by Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, and he also kind of looks. Yeah, like he does. Him. He looks like the. Uh, I don't know if he's related, but but uh, uh, yeah, and all those you know fucking old timers who had to uh, uh, tough it out. You know the Hattie McDaniel's. Uh, that shit has been a shame to the fucking industry, and uh, everybody knows it. You know it's kind of embarrassing that that's the way we still treat. Uh, yeah. You know, other the other in this country, and I'm a hundred percent with you and with uh, every fucking group that wants to reject. The role to which they've been, you know, relegated by uh, a shitty, selfish consumer society that doesn't really want to change what ever about, about anything. And, have take it really and I, I, I understand really that mentality, and I understand the danger of it, and, and how much good work is being done by raising awareness over uh, uh, you know, what's considered good taste. I think the whole argument over Dave Chappelle, I feel sorry for the guy personally, even though he just made 10 I feel bad for him because I don't want him to feel misunderstood. And this is, I make fun of this when people talk about how the Kardashians are like, I don't take that very seriously in other people. I don't take take ye very seriously. I don't worry about his mental health even though it's clearly, you know, it's upset because I don't uh, consume the art. I don't uh, know the presence. I don't have any interest in it. things I do care about, I'm slavishly attached to, and, you know, it's hard for me even to recognize how much so. And I just want to be less fucking predictable in my prejudice, you know? I want to keep surprising myself with things that I uh, don't have to be prejudiced mm-hmm. against or, or in favor of, you know? The things, the things that I really like, those are the dangerous ones. It's, it's fairly easy for me to change my mind about something... Uh, that I used to think was silly or unimportant. I, I think that's been uh, a real revelation for a lot of white guys in the last few years. Oh, I guess things are, can be a little... I can like things I didn't used to think uh, were okay or I found threatening or whatever, and I can I can get over that. But 
It's very hard. It's very hard to reconcile what you like with what you don't like and how important it is that you don't like it. It is. And, it is and, you and you're right, too. It it, it's just so much of it. It's not, you know, it's really not just Chappelle. There's been a number of things, you know, on social media, which, uh, you know, I've, I've backed down from in the last few days just because, you know, there's these cycles to things. And then, like, all of a sudden, there'll be all this yeah. shit. And I'm seeing all these people having their opinions, different things, you know, that I'm just like, I don't get why we're having these conversations to the degree that we are. Um, and, and, and the Dave Chappelle thing, too, for me, is like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to keep talking about it. For me, it's as simple as, as far as this particular instance, I side with transgender people, not Chappelle on that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I, at the same time, don't think Chappelle should be canceled or anything like that. Um, I, I just, it, it, it's like, yeah, and I, and I, mean, I don't it piles know on like when I have that, you know, and then I have you know a, a bunch of white guys on my Facebook feed uh, talking about the merits of Olivier's blackface Othello. I'm like, why are we? Ta- why are we talking about that? Let's just fucking let's just. Why are What's, you defending? Olivier's dead. He doesn't fucking care about any of this. Who cares? And that movie's fucking boring. It's Shakespeare, which can often be boring. But, well, but what, and then like and then Dune happens, and everybody's telling me how great Dune is. You know, I make one off. You know, and then it's like as soon as people like have to respond to me making a joke about Dune being boring, about how wrong I am, then I have to then I have to double down and make more Dune jokes, and I can't. Stop making Dune jokes. And, and then I'm like, yeah. why am I so alone, you know, in like, why am I so opposed at this time on all these issues and all these opinions that everybody's talking about? And then, you know, my head gets confused and I, I become depressed. Well, uh, that feeling of isolation and alienation from the general trend of thought is something I'm very familiar with. And uh, it, it pains me a lot. And I find that social media... Uh, exacerbates this problem by a factor yeah. of about all. You know, it's very, very, very destructive. And I, I try to limit my uh, presence to making jokes and 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 making uh, philosophical statements that uh, nobody at this point in my very narrow uh, feed. You know, I'm not hardly in anybody's feed anymore. And and uh, you can tell because when I say really controversial things, which I do fairly regularly, uh, <laughs> nobody responds. Uh, be- because uh, uh, you know they know better. They know that uh, you know it's, it's going to get ugly probably because of exactly the kind of work that you and I did today that you don't do when you're responding yeah, to a text. It's just well, and I get and like different. I get and what happened today is is so valuable to me. This is this is this conversation is is one of my favorites because we worked through something that we were both pretty hot about, and uh, I feel. That I understand your position a hundred percent more. Yeah, because I didn't. As soon as you say, uh, you know, it's about this, and I go, I don't even know what the fuck that and is. I he said, and I didn't know what the fuck I, it is. I, and, and and then you, and you 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 made this clear to me, and I uh, am usually not able uh, in the moment to uh, uh, engage somebody else who also has that presence of mind to say, yes, this is what we're talking about, not how much I fucking hate your position. Because my hating your position is my entire personality, <laughs> right, uh, in a lot of these interchanges that we have on the Internet. You know, yeah, and, uh, yeah, not, not you and I, but, like, uh, uh, you know, other people. I find myself, and I, I think this is very 
common. We are relegated to a position of defensiveness by algorithms and by the specific type of behaviors that we engage in online. And, oh, this is a guy who likes to have fights. They figured that about me within a day of my joining uh, a fucking innocuous fucking Facebook group called I Judge Your Poor Grammar, <laughs> I think it was called. It had hundreds, th- hundreds of thousands of members, and it was just about making fun of memes, you know, and shit that people, people would post photographs of bad uh, punctuation in their neighborhood. And then the, the fucking moderator would say, well, we don't really do punctuation. It's mostly about grammar here. Uh, uh, but we'll leave this up because it's funny. But in general, folks, and, you know, and this was the most cutthroat, vicious, oh, well, do you know about the supposative text? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you haven't read Greenly on the issue of actual, you know, communicative. And there's, uh, uh, you know, this hierarchy of fucking assholeism everywhere oh my God, yeah. uh, in the world, right? And this is one of the reasons I don't join groups. And yet I joined Facebook <laughs> so I could join groups so that I could talk to other people who were concentrated assholeism, you know, much more than you would get in one session of a <laughs> Elks Club meeting or some shit, right? No, you go in a fucking Facebook group, oh my you're God. immediately stabbed with some kind of fucking label, right? Somebody will immediately label you, oh, you're a prescriptivist, I was told. First fucking day. And I said, I don't know what that means. And he says, well, then how can you be here judging other people's grammar? What? Right? It was a joke site about making fun of people's grammar. And he had come there to tell me that I hadn't got the proper education to do it, which was, I, I will hasten to admit, within two days. First day, I was just mad. Second day, I realized, yeah, my education in this area is very, mm-hmm. very slight. Now, uh, I'm admitting that now on a podcast <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> it's the only point I want to make about uh, textual conversation. Uh, but, but, but what we were able to do in person was uh, I needed you to explicate this point. You did it very lucidly, and I was able to understand and say, oh, well, if, if that's all you're against, I'm fucking against that, and that's terrible. And, and, and logistically, it was not the easiest thing to do it was not as easy as going <sighs> you know and moving on uh but it was a lot more valuable to me and i'm sorry if no, it was no, painful it, it, a no, bit. It I, was... I don't mean to be condescending i i i don't i don't mean to be as uh, off-putting as i can be my understanding of this is so valuable to me that i felt like it was worth pursuing because uh you know this is a thing to which i've devoted well and actual i will facebook posts and and i and not and not understanding your point which is a very, very, very basic point to the whole fucking question. Uh, not, not having asked that question properly before I got to talk to you, just reading people's mm-hmm. position papers right online, that prepared me not in the fucking least to talk to a human being who, who actually can, can put a voice to this uh, question. I, I, I find that extraordinarily valuable. I find it amazing that I didn't already look up turf and figure out who uses it and where and why and what it actually, what the word represents to this community versus what it represents to this community. I haven't done any of this work. I just had a fucking opinion about, ah, it's just a fucking word. It's a made up word. And it is. And it it wouldn't. And and so. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, but that's an, that's, that's an incomplete take. And now I have a much, you know, uh, uh, maybe not much. Well, and I, I think a, a you've helped me. Now. I have a larger uh, you've uh, piece me of information. And as many uh, brief uh, conversations. And I got away from it. Like I said, I just didn't want to keep having the conversation. Because, like, you're right. On Facebook, you wind up, you make your point, but that's it. 
You, you know what I mean? Nobody uh, asks you any questions about it. You're yeah. not asking anyone else's questions about it. It's all about point making, which is, is, is like yep. frustrating yep. and pointless all the time. And, and generally, like at this point, what I do, yep. like the, when you post controversial things, I mean, you, you house them in such a way that somebody may not know what you're talking about. Maybe that's why they don't like. I'll keep stuff very vague. Like I make a point, like, and I make the mistake all the time. I made a joke about that fucking dress that AOC wore to the Met Gala. It was just one joke, you know. And the way, Mm. what was the joke? I can't even remember. It was oh, it was. Then how will she pay for that dress? And then I got uh, you know inundated with people. Well, she didn't Uh. pay to get in, and all this like stuff. I was like. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just <laughs> kidding you guys. And, and yeah. I got condescended to, which is why I'm, you know, reactionary and sensitive when I feel like I'm being condescended yeah. to yeah. and enough yeah. people. And then I was just, and then I was just punching out at everyone. And at a certain point I was like, Jesus Christ, you guys, I am so sorry. I don't know why I started being so dickish. I mean, I do know why, but I don't know why I couldn't see clear to not, but I did. Now that's, yeah, that's the primary question of my whole uh, 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 medical regimen at this point, is, is why am I receiving information uh, incorrectly and responding to it you know, as, 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 in the way that I received it, which was inherently wrong. Right, I, I take uh, too many things as a threat, and this is this is common to most uh, mild forms of neurosis. Right, this is this is a very general sort of description. Uh, uh, you're not you're not taking the world in quite quite on the terms that you can deal with. I, I, I take it in at a rate that uh, it seems, uh, and and boy, Facebook does this to every personality type, and in particular mine, because uh, I'm already argumentative and questioning and uh, kind of a dick, and boy. Uh, I, I get on there and I, uh, it's fight or flight. The whole goddamn time I'm there, you know, my hypothalamus is doing all the work. You know, my higher brain functions are off. You know, to the extent that I can go research something real quick so I can make a retort to something somebody said in a thread, that's, that's, that's muscle memory. That's not actually thinking. You know, I'm not developing. I'm not trying to understand. And uh, uh, literally a couple of times, literally, uh, uh, I've said on the internet, oh, fuck. All right. I totally didn't know that. I'm totally wrong. And uh, uh, I did it once, and, and the guy was like, fuck you, fucking asshole. And, it, you know, another paragraph about how stupid I was. And the other time, the guy said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. I, I clearly, you know, I, I, I was thinking about something else. I, I did not look at it that way. And, and you're absolutely fucking right. And I totally agree with you. And it's clear that I just didn't well, do and homework people, first. And I'm sorry. And people, and I'm, and I'm guilty respond. of it too, but people knee jerk into if they're so used to disagreeing that even when you disagree, they'll get mad at you. Like I literally <laughs> had this guy yep. during the elections yeah. Uh, yeah. last year, the election cycle last year, you know talking about stuff and i was i was like look man i totally agree with you silver lining here and i just gave him a silver lining of you know because who wanted biden nobody wanted biden biden was a compromise that literally everybody made uh except for joe biden and and so we made that compromise he's livid you know uh uh, and can't let it go but that's how he talks uh and and i i was saying well, you know, I agree with you. I think the the policies should change the way you think they should change. Unfortunately, it's not happening. But here's the silver lining of, of Joe Biden. And, he, and then he just got angrier at me. And I was like, I was just. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to 
say I agree with you and I'm sorry it didn't work out. But you... No, it's a form of conditioning that, that frightens me. And uh, to the extent that video games, you know, have been a zero part of my life. I never got into video games. And, and uh, what that does to you and how that shapes your personality and how that shapes your behavior, whether it makes you quicker on the draw, you know, and to the extent that it almost certainly does. Because you know, if you habituate a behavior, if you beha- habituate uh, uh, the timing of your responses and you practice that, mm-hmm. and you become an athlete on some level because you've, you've conditioned your mind as well as your muscles to react in certain ways. Uh, so these guys might not be able to fight like the Bruce Lee Activision, but their fucking hands work fast, and that means their mind is working fast. And maybe they problem-solve better because of that. And the military trains you know, drone pilots with fucking video games. They train a lot of things, uh, technical positions with video games, for years now. And there's no question that uh, you know, the shit I do, the, the habits that I, that I uh, reinforce, uh, you know, whatever the metaphor, they used to use the... Uh, uh, never mind... Uh, whatever you're, whatever you're trying to uh, to accomplish, one of the <laughs> lost it, lost the thread. Well, that was a brick wall. I started the stumble. I got flop sweat, and that it was just a fucking blank. All the I'm fucking staring out. I can't oh tell you God, how many conversations so I get into where I'm making a fucking good point. Fucking good point. I'm like going places, and then like I'm in the middle, like the emotion of being excited about saying whatever I'm saying. Takes over, and I yeah. forget what the yeah. fuck where uh, what I was where I was going. Yeah, and and uh, uh, you know, there's something valuable about that because uh, you know we don't want to be uh, here all day. <laughs> but there, uh, to 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 the extent that uh, I can make sense, uh, I like to, and I apologize for uh, for forgetting what the fuck I was going to say. But uh, our communication on the issue of uh, many saints of Newark. I will pause it at this point, was uh, very sharp and very pointed and took about five minutes, and that's about what it's worth. And the rest of the time, we talked about shit that, uh, that actually engaged us and, and made me pay attention really sharply. And I had, as usual, a shit morning where I cried setting up the fucking microphone and the, and the camera and the fucking uh, uh, thing, because that's what that does to me. And uh, you've taken me quite that's away good. from that. I just... I just can't thank you enough for, for making what you know, could have been a rainy, uh, kind of miserable day where I typed some jokes and tried to make this script work into a day where I do that. But first, uh, I get super engaged and passionate over this thing that uh, surprises me with its vehemence and uh, ultimately surprises me with its fucking simplicity. And if I could do that every day, well... Uh, I'm not going to do a man. I'm not going to do a Manny impression, but you know, if I could, if I could scrub those plates, I could be uh, president. Yeah, of but you don't want to do that anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, there's so many things I think I don't want to do, but I just don't try. You know, I could be the president of Chase Manhattan, but uh, I'd rather yeah. be on this runaway no, train. Mean- you know, and un- unfortunately, uh, uh, that's. Uh, identity that's the th- you know these these hills that we pluck to die on if if your identity is fucking visible across the street right uh then that's a big fucking deal for me my identity is visible across the street i get all kinds of breaks you know i get all kinds of i'm not going to get raped very often you know uh i i'm i'm not going to get hassled by the police very often uh i'm not going to uh uh you know look like a threat to uh, uh, most of the population because most of the population kind of looks like me and gives me the benefit of the doubt all the time. And uh, 
that's a big fucking deal. And you take that away from me, I'm going to get all kinds of bent. You know, I'm going to feel hurt. And I'm going to feel like, uh, you know, injustice. Um, and I feel for the enormous swaths of people in this country, uh, the vast majority of whom are even less worldly than I am, who are even less educated, you know, experientially and book learning and, and uh, travel, all that shit. They have even less of that than I. And living in a big city, I can see how small my life has been compared to some people who are, you know, very expansive in their seeking out, you know, knowledge of the universe mm-hmm. and knowing the right way and the wrong way to do things in life, you know, what, what works and what doesn't. And uh, to the extent that I fight with somebody on Facebook, I'm reducing myself to the capacity of a guy that raises llamas in South Dakota, you know, on a fucking mortgage farm who has never been to junior college, who has never read a book since he was 19, who has never learned anything except probably a lot about fucking llamas, you know, and a lot about how to fucking scoot on your mortgage. You know, there's a lot of shit that I don't know. And we're both talking about, you know, what conditions are like, uh, you know, in a circumstance that we never go and what happened to somebody that we never met. And I, uh, it's very frightening to me that I don't uh-huh. elevate him. I think I'm coming from a better place. I think I'm, I'm reaching out the hand and I am fucking condescending. I don't really, 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 it's my, I'm drawn that way. I'm trying to understand. I'm always trying to understand. And I'm a cunt about it because uh, I always got away with it. You know? But anyway, the, 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 the extent to which when we reach out to others, uh, we bring each other down as opposed to raising each other up. And that's what these casual uh, uh, conversations are like for a vast amount of the Internet. There's also a lot of positive reinforcement that you get on these sites that are for old ladies. You know, these sites about oh, sure, uh, yeah. inspiration story. You know, and then usually there's bad grammar or bad yeah. uh, uh, syntax in the title of the thing. But it's just pictures of puppies and memes of when a fireman, you know, fucking stopped and changed a kid's bicycle tire. Some, some fucking uh, thing. And you look at it for two seconds. It has the exact same uh, potency for me in a positive way. That these stupid, ugly fucking memes that I repost about how the government's raping you and you're fucking not even looking at it, uh, 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 those things make me as angry as these fucking silly stories that are made up. Obviously, this soldier came home and he saw a homeless man and he bought him new shoes and left them on the counter. This really mm-hmm. works for me, too. This makes me feel good in a cheap kind of way and i feel a little guilty about it but boy does it get my oh my god i was a little bit to read those stories why am i seeking out these conflicts instead why do you and i go and all we see is attackers we could be looking at inspirational stories i saw one on the news this morning while i was on the stationary bike and it was tom brady giving a hat to a small child who was fighting cancer and was at one of his his games you know and uh and i and the Mm -hmm. kid cried and uh, it made me choke up. And then, and then as soon yep. as I was done, yep. I was like, but does that mean that Tom Brady's not an asshole anymore? No, it doesn't. He's still <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and the fact, though, the dynamic of this tension, I think, is that you can get yeah. something good out of yeah. Tom Brady. Just for a split second before you think about it. And uh, the thinking about it part 
Homo sapiens sapiens yeah. does way too much of that. And and my my study of the situation is that I think a little too much, and 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 I'm over critical and over vigilant about circumstances, like a lot of us, and especially when we go on the internet and everything's a fight for those of us for whom it is. Uh, there's something important about keeping uh, your input. If your stomach is upset, you don't want to eat a bunch of chocolate cake and then some bananas. Maybe the bananas are okay. That's a bad they example. They are binding. Then, uh, a yeah. bunch of uh, lemon <laughs> le- lemon curd. But yeah, sure. Uh, there's uh, there's no reason for me to be as hypervigilant, as suspicious as my fellow man, as I am. Uh, but, you know, the history right. of man is a history of conflict, largely. It's also a history of agriculture and development and, you know, great uh, strides forward. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, if, <laughs> if you balance it out, uh, like on the scales, I'm not sure that war wouldn't, wouldn't be the, the more present, the more, uh, 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 and, and by, you know, economic war, all, all the kinds of war, uh, f- the famines that governments cause sometimes to make a point. There's uh, all sorts of human behavior that can't be explained uh, unless you assume that somebody's not doing mm-hmm. the work in the relationship. Somebody always looks kind of like they could be trying harder. You know, it, it's usually uh, it's usually both sides to an extent. But uh, you know, as you say, the fucking underdog, you know, the the victimized, oppressed minority is always my first uh, my first concern, and it's always uh, I think, and I think that's part of the Western canon. I think that's part of the tradition that we're supposed to inherit and carry. And what's shocking to a lot of us is that a mm. lot of us don't carry that, even though even though you know uh, a lot of the people that were raised in your neighborhood and my neighborhood did 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 not and do not uh, feel as we do about the rights of man, you know about the 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 essential circumstance of humanity and whether it's worth anything or whether you can push some people around for mm. no reason, you know. Uh, if if we can decide to push some people around for a good reason, right? Like criminals, and we say no, you have to go in there yeah. and sit down. You know, you were bad. Uh, then then it seems to me we can figure out the other end of it too. You know, and how to be essentially compassionate and, and essentially say we're going to be up with you. Come here. We're gonna we're gonna make you feel better. We're gonna stand you up. We're gonna give you a little bit of money, and we're gonna train you. You know, and 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 the the human experience of the last uh, five hundred years has not been uh, necessarily uh, entirely you know an upswing. No, in, in yeah, values. no, you're right. Well, particularly since the industrial revolution, we've really lost. Our, our sense that uh, we're here to support our fellow man, which which has been reflected in almost every religion, uh, and yet is the part well, that we, and always we all ignore. look. We and all why, do look you know, for is a it, common enemy in these. Things. Like this is what I'm saying. Like like we have this conversation, mm-hmm. which I can mm-hmm. do. I can have these conversations about things that I I feel strongly about or whatever. But the weirdest thing is when like I saw Dave Chappelle's special and I didn't feel strongly. I was like, well, that was a fucked up thing to say, and I support anyone who doesn't like it. But at uh-huh. the end of it, I would have rather just like forgotten about it. Uh, a, 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 like a mediocre entertainment is something that I just want to walk away from and forget about. I don't exactly. want to think about Olivier's Othello. And, and, now I, I don't, and I don't want to have you know. And those are conversations that I've walked away. I didn't engage. I'm not engaging. I'm not doing this. I don't want to have a conversation with anybody who's doing this. Um, and and most of those conversations 
But how about Richard III? I mean, how dare he walk around on a hunchback? And a yeah, fake nose just... to boot. And he put only one garter on his left leg. Like, you notice yeah, that? No, yeah. I know. It's like... I, Fucking out know, of line. Whatever uh, uh, points people have that I might agree with, it becomes hard to find them because I'm like, why am I even having this conversation? And so, so this is my question. This is why I mentioned the media right, uh, yeah. so much, so strongly. It was brought to my attention by Matt Tybee. It's not my idea. Uh, uh, but the, the, there's a general sense among media critics uh, that I gravitate toward uh, that um, since the loss of the fairness doctrine, uh, that, that American television has become uh, largely uh, dangerous and largely... Um, that, that news media in particular tends to trend towards certain narratives and not towards certain others, and largely because uh, it wants to defend the Democratic sure. Party, yeah. basically. And that's why Fox News showed up, because it basically defends the Republican Party, uh, uh, you know, in a vile and disgusting manner that the Democrats find, you know, mortifying. Uh, but they're having to become more like that, too, because that's essentially the game now. And that uh, the that media has allowed politics to become... Uh, team sport in which the actual issues under discussion uh, no longer are because nobody writes those articles uh, except in the New York Times. You don't get those mm-hmm. articles even in the LA Times anymore. You get AP, you get AP stringers. You know, you get you get a little bit about what happened in Congress today. Nobody's fucking covering uh, a lot of the issues that go on because I, the big I story is there. somebody said something wrong or look look at this retort from a press conference or you know look at this press release and so a lot of us uh, I very much am am misinformed disinformed uh, and I can figure it out very easily when I look it up right you, you get certain pieces of information and you go great I want to believe that and you get certain other pieces of information and you go I don't think that's probably true and you look it up for two minutes with Google. And and you 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 have a much better you know you get at least two or three different people's opinion. Uh, you get to find out what the origin of that fucking opinion was and what the what the uh, ultimate source was. No. Uh, and most of us don't have that time. Most of us don't have that energy, and most of us don't have that inclination because we like team sports. And since the loss of the fairness doctrine, I think the difference between the uh, uh, an NFL game. Yeah, and, you're uh, absolutely uh, right. The fact uh, that we're having like this extremely thin. You know, and, and, and uh, it's go. And so these kinds of I'm so sorry. I keep but my whole my, my the whole reason I brought this up is that the the narratives that uh we create through what the media interprets uh as, you know, what the New York Times, what the Washington Post interprets as the will of basically left-leaning, you know, by American standards, uh, Democratic voters, these become the issues. So you ignore Biden's laptop and you ignore Biden's son because essentially on one level, they're not very important. And on the other level, uh, they're not for the narrative. You know, we're going to, you know, the three major national newspapers decided that Biden was supposed to win that election. And that's, you know, that's fine. But they wrote a lot of articles to that effect, as well as just an editorial or two. And I find this kind of creepy. And I find this kind of narrative shaping very much apropos to our discussion of why we immediately took sides on the issue of this fucking comic you know and 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 this and this group of disenfranchised individuals um it, very interesting to me how uh, our positions on this were shaped by 
very expensive, very complicated, very specifically mm-hmm. designed mass media that gave us these informations. Uh, uh, it worries me because I, I always think I'm smart and I, and I like to think uh, you know that I can see through things and that I know who's manipulating me. And I, uh, the problem isn't that I don't know it's there; it's that I embrace a lot of it. It's that I'm glad to see Netflix present me with a well-directed, well-lighted mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle special. Uh, so that I can have my position, mm-hmm. so that I can you defend it with some me. shit. You know, you still, uh, it's creepy, creepy to me. All right, well, that I'm Jason froze. Sort of usage. So, uh, As a, I I'm going to stop the show. Uh, so We're already well. Do something else. Several minutes longer there, than the latest James Bond film. So I seem I'll, to I'll wrap this it. up. Um, thanks for Maybe listening to Jason Todd home. talk through lousy films. Uh, on behalf of know. Jason, who has disappeared. From uh, my Zoom screen and me, Todd. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time when Jason not. tortures me with some kind of movie maybe from we went the too far. 60s. All right. Oh, wait. We Is Jason back? Jason's back. Overreached. There, uh, uh, oh, there you are. Maybe I just like, I, was just, I didn't know you were coming Hi. back. I was just like, right up the show, uh, which we How's should. As I was just going? saying, uh, while you were uh, frozen, we are now officially longer than the latest and longest James Bond film. So we should probably, probably wrap it up. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope but so. will Fingers we be crossed. as well reviewed <laughs> in England? That's the question. Uh, yeah. Do you know? What I love you, everybody. I kiss you all. With, uh, and uh, all right. uh, let's do this again. No, I don't. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd really like to do a bad, long 60s musical, but we, we wouldn't watch it anyway. That's the trouble. I, sometimes I choose movies uh, uh, because I think they'd be interesting to talk about. Uh, no. but this was uh, yeah. a lot of fun, and uh, we didn't even look at the fucking movie, which is... Uh, which is uh, so, yeah, I don't know which I'll choose. We'll see. Uh, something we'll good see or something time, unwatchable everybody. so that we can avoid it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I have to recommend, if you want to have a bad time, uh, Ship of Fools is available on DVD uh, uh, from 1960-whatever, oh, okay. five. The most boring movie them. I've seen recently. And I, I, you know you know how much I like boring bad movies. But, but, boy, Ship of Fools, <laughs> holy shit. You and Hill should get together and watch something else, I recommend, because you wouldn't like it at all. Bye. All right, uh, I won't fuck up the outro again. Love you, everybody. Kisses. Oh, baby, won't you tell me?